Welcome everyone to SMAFCast and tonight we have uh, another affiliate school feature episode. Uh, you'll have to help me with your last name, but everybody knows him as <laughs> Maestro from Bendu Saber Academy. Uh, it's uh, it's pronounced Mon. Mon, that's Mon. what I thought. Okay. But uh, we have we have a friendly neighborhood board member who uh, has a very funny way of saying your last name. So before I butchered it, I wanted to uh, make sure that I got it right. So we have Matt Mon, otherwise known as Maestro from Bendu Saber Academy, and of course. Before we let uh, Maestro take his intro away, uh, I want to introduce, of course, uh, co-board member and my steady co-host every week here, uh, Miss Katie Main from San Diego Sabres. Hello. So, Mr. Mon, Mr. Maestro, the Maestro of Ben D2, will you help us understand a little bit about who you are and why we uh, reached out to you in the first place? Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm so excited. This last year has been really slow for me uh, as far as fighting goes. Uh, the whole COVID thing really has, uh, I think it's hurt all of us, but I'm itching to talk about nerd stuff with nerd friends and uh, um, love it. So I'm just really excited to be here. So thank you again for uh, for inviting me out. Um, okay, so uh, yes, I, I go by Maestro. I have been Star Wars fan since <laughs> I could probably walk. My older brothers um, were really into the original series. They used to have all the old original toys. The, they had an original Millennium Falcon, um, an AT-AT Walker, all that stuff. And I took it all and destroyed it in the backyard playing with it. <laughs> so they're, you know, that, that's sort of where I come from as a Star Wars <laughs> uh, fan. I just, I, I, all my life, I've been a Star Wars fan, loved lightsabers, loved swords, loved the martial arts. When the prequels came out, I was, uh, or yeah, the prequels, when episode one, two, and three um, were announced, I was really excited, really into that, um, uh, really got into uh, the EU and the expanded uh, lore and literature in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I started putting some of the sword play and sword work that I had always been involved in and always studied and, and followed pretty closely uh, into uh, lightsaber combat. Um, my friends and I would go out and we'd fight. The first lightsaber that I used was actually a, uh, a wiffle bat. Of course. Um, <laughs> in the 90s. What else yeah, would it be? used to whack each other. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Those we old used to lightsabers each other around were with those terrible. Pretty good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I still, I think I still have some of the like the very first original toys mm -hmm. um was it kenner that or hasbro that kenner did the really, original, original and then they did the beginning of the power of the force line i don't know if you okay i'm a bit of an action figure dweeb for <laughs> star wars action figures but uh you're speaking my language right now basically <laughs> nice nice <laughs> so anyway so you 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 really got into Star Wars. And how did you decide that like the lightsaber was going to be one of the ways that you really expressed your fandom and not just your fandom for Star Wars, but for martial arts as well? Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually it began with actually that article that I think all of us have read at this point. Yeah. From, from Star Wars Insider, In, uh, Insider 62 fight saber. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Uh, when I heard about the seven forms, I thought that was really cool. 
and I must have read that article probably a thousand times in a month. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was the first time that it sort of opened that uh, that uh, world of Star Wars up to me, and it was sort of an epiphany for me. For anybody who doesn't know, that's um that's the first time that they a lot of people think it was in the Jedi's path, but it was in the fight mm-hmm. article was the first time that they mentioned the seven forms ever uh, yep. and it was just what like two to three paragraphs about each couple couple sentences really yeah the whole article was i think uh four four pages yeah. at most in the magazine <laughs> really? and it had pictures yeah so yeah, yeah it was not an in-depth uh article and but not i gotta tell by a you martial artist either well actually it was written by it was written by a non-martial artist right but he did have help right from a fencer uh-huh yep and that is also my largest martial experiences in fencing okay so um, that was going to be a lead-in question you beat me to the punch so you you read fight saber you kind of understand what they're talking about because you've been doing fencing up to this point or other martial arts as well yeah anything to do with a sword i was i was thirsty for it i've i've just i've been in love with swords and sword play since i was a kid um i always i wanted to be uh i think it started with leonardo from ninja turtles <laughs> that was my favorite turtle so i had to go swords you know shark totally leonardo right there but so i i just i didn't have an opportunity because of where i grew up and what was available to do a lot of serious study in in actual martial arts so i did everything that i could and i talked to people who did you know this was before the you know, the internet made everything so available um, and resources were hard to come by. But I read books and um, I watched all the videos I could. I talked to people who, you know, said they knew. I goofed off with my friends. I say goof off, but we, we took it pretty seriously. We were, we were really trying to, you know, do things. Uh, I think for all of us, um, especially if you have had a part or are trying at the moment to, like, develop the seven forms in your own school or or you know just by yourself kind of figure out your own flavor i think we've all kind of been like we're goofing off at a healthy proportion to how much we're actually trying to come up with martial arts you know what i mean like yes we're totally yeah. goofing off they're toys like if they're not real swords but right we sure think they are when we're when we're playing with them you know and 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 i think that's part of the thing that comes across with your channel which i know we'll kind of get to this more but your youtube channel is really how anybody who knows you knows you um at least in the saber community obviously you know people in the world um but and and you've kind of been around for a decent amount of time as far as i know the only group that was doing seven forms work before us was New York Jedi and uh, TPLA. So this is a interesting topic. We talk about this stuff all the time in board meetings and stuff. And I'm always curious because I thought I was on an Island, you know, like in, in 2002, I read fight saber. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, okay, I think I can figure this out because like you, <laughs> you know, I'd been taking karate since I was four years old. But I had also had a lot of martial arts teachers and and fellow students who had encouraged us and um, opened up cross training to us so that we could learn things like weaponry and because you know in traditional karate you don't do any weapons yeah but 
we were always encouraged to do it for for coordination, for just reinforcing what we were learning in regular class and all those other things. But the reason I bring that up is because I thought I was on this island where I was the only one thinking this fight saver article had anything to do with real martial arts and going, oh, well, I can figure that out, you know, and then I find out about New York Jedi and you and TPLA over the next like 10 years. And I'm going, well, how many other people were doing this? Right. Because before you even started your YouTube channel, we're talking five, six, seven, eight years of you doing this anyway. Yeah. So you're one of the first YouTube channels by any stretch of the imagination that I know of, but how, you know, you'd already been doing it for a long time before that, which is cool in and of itself, because (laughs) that's not about like people looking at your channel. That's just about you trying to figure out how to better yourself through martial arts. Well, yeah, that's kind of what endeared me to your channel was it seemed very much like you were trying to better yourself and just taking other people along for the journey. Is is that kind of on base yeah. with how you approached it? It it absolutely is. You know, um, I've had a couple of people talk to me and I'm not knocking anybody who does this. I think it's amazing and great if people have the opportunity to. But I, I'm never going to I'm never going to sell what I know. I'm never going to sell my art. My art is free. I believe in just giving it. Katie, you can definitely speak to that. Yep. Yeah. Eric's very much the same way. Yeah. I'm motivated by wanting to, like you said, it's my own personal martial arts journey. Um, And I think that anybody who studies the martial arts knows that um, in the beginning, perhaps you get associated with a club or a group or um, a, a Ryu or, uh, you know, a, any sort of school like that. And it, it, it can't, some people get really into that particular school. And some people realize that that's good for them now, but it's not going to stay with it forever. And their journey is bigger than that one school or one teacher or one style. Um, and that was just me. That's, that's my martial arts journey is going around and, um, picking up everything that I can to try to improve myself and and just get my game up. So you mentioned that the bulk of your martial arts training is in fencing. Take us a little bit on your on your martial arts journey. When did you have the opportunity to train in a facility? When did you have to rely on yourself? And for what kind of martial arts were you doing this? I was just telling my children about this the other day. Actually, <laughs> um, when I was a kid, every day that I had free. We got the wiffle ball bats yep, or yep. anything like it. And we were in the backyard and we were playing different games, but it was all sword fighting. You know, mm-hmm. it all, you know, we'd be playing X-Men, but I'd have a wiffle ball bat. We'd be playing Star Wars and I'd be a Jedi and or Sith and we'd be fighting with lightsabers. So I did a lot of that, you know, growing up. And I think that really uh, uh, helped establish a foundation of, thirsting for knowledge yeah. from any source that I could get and, uh, and also learning to try things um, uh-huh. and learning to learn from other people. So we'd get all the kids from the neighborhood, you know, went through my yard and I fought. <laughs> yeah. All, you know? <laughs> and, and they'd do some crazy stuff and I'd have to deal with it and I have to learn to deal with it. So it, it, it just got a lot of experience that way. Then uh, when I was a teenager, I started getting into more serious sources 
I wanted to know everything about martial arts. I was really into ninjutsu for a long time, and I heard about um, uh, uh, Hayes, uh, which is a ninjutsu martial artist in the U.S., and I wanted so bad to go and study with him. And my parents were like, you're 12. You're not going to go study with him right now. <laughs> I was very disappointed, and they frustrated my ninja career. Um, but I just, you know, I'd, I'd read every book that I could get my hands on. I'd, I'd watch every you know, serious video that, that I could get and talk to friends who were able to take martial arts. They were in a place where they were able to do that. And then in my 20s, I was able to actually get some hands-on experience with actual teachers uh -huh. who could show me the basics, actual training. I did not learn swordsmanship in an official capacity until I was in my late 20s. I was taking some classes at college and I wanted to get in some shape and I looked and there was a fencing class being taught. Sure. And I said, oh, yeah, I wanted to try that. I, you know, I, I know a lot about HEMA, uh -huh. um, historical rapier stuff. So why don't I just go and see if sport fencing is, is like that? So I went and I took this class and I got it as a credit. And I took it two more times and was not able to get it as a credit. But I took it because I loved it. And the instructor had a fencing school that he had just opened in my town. And he said, why don't you come work with me? And uh, you can do this all the time. And I said, great. So I started working for him. Eventually, I became um, registered as a coach, recognized by the, uh, the uh, um, USAF, the, the United States uh, the Fencing Association. And then um, I was able to uh, actually become a partner in the business and run it. And we taught you know, students at every level. I've taught kids as young as three and as old as 80. Um, I've taught amateur fencers and I've taught fencers that have world titles. And I only worked with one Olympian, but she was really, really cool. She whooped my butt pretty good. <laughs> so, Daria Schneider, if you're watching this, hi, nice. I haven't seen you in 10 years, but <laughs> hello. <laughs> What's that name? Oh, Dar Daria Schneider. Sure. Hey, yeah, don't worry. You. You're you're considered a saber martial art, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you what other kinds of you said ninjutsu? You mentioned hema, which you know is kind of unique and similar to lightsaber in many ways because yeah. a lot of what they teach in hema is strictly because a bunch of people in this generation kind of read some books about old sword fighting, you know. Like, yeah, it's it's not like there's a ton of these people in the strip mall opening Hema dojos, so to speak. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like if you're going to take Hema seriously or anybody's going to, then absolutely you should take lightsaber seriously as a martial art because it's just as valid as any martial art that started by a bunch of dudes sitting around or dudettes, whatever, sitting around reading <laughs> manuscripts and telling each other about these times when they had a duel and blah, blah, blah. So I, it's just that it's younger. I mean, it, it's kind of been a long road to haul, but I think these days people understand that like nerds are a thing. They're not just like hiding oh, yeah. in their parents' basements anymore. They've always made the world go around and people are starting to see that a little bit. 
But now in martial <laughs> arts, like the lightsaber really is a medium for progress in the martial arts. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but, um, I just feel like there's so many ways you can look at sword fighting or not just sword fighting, but like I've looked at my own karate training in different ways. I was talking to, uh, Kyle from Key Sabers, shout out to Key Sabers. He was asking me about some Gemso stuff. And I was telling him, like, dude, I fall right into Gemso because of my Kempo training. It's just counter and counter hard, you know, counter and counter hard. Manipulate the body, manipulate the blade, and counter hard. And it's kind of interesting that something that's supposed to be a proxy for a sword in this fantasy world really ends up telling you a whole lot about yourself and, and your own training. Oh, absolutely. I cannot stress enough my personal belief that the lightsaber is not only, not only does it need to be studied as a serious, let me rephrase that, not only does it need to be taken as seriously as any bladed weapon should be taken in an era of gunfire, you know, I mean, no, none of us, the HEMA guys, the the traditional karate people who are the 200th direct descendant in their reuse are exactly the same as us we're never going to use one of our weapons in a life and death situation although if you break into my house i promise you you're getting hit <laughs> yeah so we're not training you know we're not training for life and death anymore yeah, yeah. with with circle but that doesn't take away the drive of martial artists to train with these weapons and i think the lightsaber is really unique in that world because a lot, and I don't want to disparage any tradition or any culture, but a lot of the traditions and cultures that have swordplay are to a degree, if you look at it in a certain way, limited by the burden of carrying that sort of cultural history with them. For instance, in Japanese Kenjutsu, uh, there aren't a lot of techniques that take advantage of a double-edged blade because they didn't have double-edged blades traditionally they used a single-edged you know the nihonto the katana so we don't get a lot of techniques that involve drawing the sword back and cutting with the back of the sword as a, as a means to, to deliver a quicker strike that's just an example of how the culture of of that and that tradition dictated what the weapon should be and so it controlled where the evolution of that martial art went and you see the same thing in in a lot of the other you know any other tradition for instance like the Fili filipinos they don't use a lot of large two-handed sword techniques in that tradition because their culture doesn't have large two-handed swords it's kind of not really conducive to the environment that they live in you know that's why right. machete and knife fighting is really the thing and stick fighting because they have a ton of those supplies around and they're the most yeah, useful absolutely. all the way from fighting down to just like chopping your vegetables at night, you know? Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a, a knock against them. That's, I mean, that's just the way that the world works, but in today's world, we have access to all the knowledge of all of these different martial traditions. And we've already seen it in hand to hand combat in the MMA everything is getting dumped into a big pot and the stuff that works is rising to the top. Well, that's really what SMA stands for, right? Is mixed martial arts, but with sabers or sword fighting. Exactly. And really, uh, this is one of those things that I thought I was on an island about. I was talking to our uh, our late co-founder, Steve, 
just through Facebook messaging. And I was like, yeah, you know, like Saber Martial Arts, all lowercase letters, just talking about it kind of nonchalant. And he was like, Saber Martial Arts, you mean like mixed martial arts, but with sabers? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, that's kind of what our Battlemaster refers to it as, you know, which is Mm -hmm. Katie's husband. And then I get on the horn with Eric and I'm like, holy crap, we've been doing the same thing 3,000 miles apart for how long? You know, 10 years now. (laughs) Um, And here you are saying exactly the same thing. So it's kind of it's kind of neat to have this proxy because Back in the day when these arts were used for warfare or for everyday protection because people were just attacking you on the streets because there was no rhyme or reason to law, they did think they were on like an island as far as their martial traditions were concerned. It became very important to hold those traditions dear and stick to those traditions and those weapons types and such. But that doesn't mean that somebody who only studied filipino martial arts all their life in the philippines didn't know anything about any other martial art couldn't pick up a katana and understand what to do with it doesn't mean they couldn't pick up an arming sword and figure out pretty quickly what they could and couldn't do with it so that's kind of the neat thing about the lightsaber is it's like without even trying you pick it up you look at how long whatever blade is how long whatever hilt is and you immediately know five or different five or six different techniques you could do with it and if you don't have a lot of martial arts experience you could still figure out like how to swing a broomstick and then how to do it without hurting your wrists or without hurting your hands and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know exactly exactly i mean the lightsaber is just this really unique vehicle for studying the evolution of martial arts on a personal level that's where i'm coming from I'm, i've been working on it for a long time i haven't made a video on the channel of it because i'm trying to figure out how to deliver it in a way that, that won't bore everybody with me talking for about three hours on the subject <laughs> um but the evolution of martial arts in as expressed in saber combat is is something that just gets me so excited there's this idea of uh, a macrocosm and a microcosm where, uh, you know, the, the solar system has the same sort of structure as like an atom. You know, it's got the central core that are things fly around. In, in nature, we see that. We see that things on the macro scale mirror the things on a micro scale. And when I was looking at the seven forms from that article, that's what I saw. I saw the evolution uh the common evolution of every martial art because every martial art whether it's sword play empty hand night whatever it doesn't matter every martial art has followed the same pattern of evolution throughout history and if you study each of the arts uh, and look for these key moments and these key changes uh you start to see the evolutionary steps that every single one of these martial arts goes through and it is mirrored perfectly uh, represented in the uh, forms of lightsaber combat. And so by studying that, we're actually studying the evolution of martial arts as a whole and the evolution that takes place in every single martial artist on their journey. You've got me hot fire under my butt now. Like you just <laughs> excited me in, in several different ways. And, you know, obviously I don't want to 
hog your swag on your YouTube channel, but if we can help you produce this content in any way, let us know. I think this is an important topic if we want people to take the lightsaber seriously is that there there's the the whole globe of earthling martial arts can be discovered through this one vehicle no it's not super practical to like practice lightsaber nunchucks we've talked about that on the show before or like lightsaber <laughs> tanfa really doesn't make a ton of super sense but yeah. it's not uncool first of all and second of all yeah you can still do like I use a ton of nunchuck style techniques in my form four. Why? Yeah. Because nunchuck has almost zero defense. What is form four? Almost zero defense. And any defense you do in form four is usually in the form of cutting a limb off or trying to like deactivate the opponent's weapon or something like that, or just like swing through their zone so that you can get them to back up. It's not so much about blocking and parrying, right? So exactly. like nunchuck is perfect for that because you learn how to keep the momentum going you learn how to use two weapons which is really important even if you don't fight with two weapons that's something i think is important you know learn both hands and then try and throw them together once in a while the evolution of the martial arts through the lightsaber you just upgraded the intellectual capacity (laughs) of this show (laughs) (laughs) last week we were like that was a good fight you guys remember that time when we drank beer and played lightsabers that was dope this week it's like the evolution of martial arts through the lightsaber (laughs) like we just went neil degrasse tyson on on everybody so okay you you mentioned something really specific that i want to jump back to which is that the seven forms are kind of the perfect like they have it all And I think it's kind of interesting because like seven is traditionally considered a lucky number, first of all. Um, And really, if we're getting if we're getting tricky, there's like nine forms, right? Or ten forms, (laughs) right? You know what? You know what? It's the uh, there's so many there's so many different ones. It depends on who you ask. Right. If you're familiar, if you've seen my channel, I'm sort of uh I have strong feelings on Juyo. Yes, um, yes, we we know you do. And I'm we not do too. opposed to it. Right. I'm not opposed to Juyo. What here's what I say to everybody who's like a, a hardcore, oh, I do Juyo. I say that's great and I love that you do it. Explain to me what you're getting out of Juyo that the other six forms don't already address, since you can't, I mean, as far as I know, you can't use the force. Juyo is a is a really awesome idea. It's a really cool as it's written in the lore. This is as it's written in the lore. If you want to make your own, own form and call it Juyo, more power to you. I love it. Do it. I'm not going to because from my perspective, the other six forms answer every need that I have with regards to training in, in the lightsaber arts. So I, I don't feel the need to do it. But I'm more power to you if you do. But as it's written in the lore, Juyo is all about, um, I mean, it's described as a staccato, you know, aggressive form that's really dynamic. It says it's as dynamic as a Taru and as strong as Gemso. And and it's like, well, that's great, but doesn't that just, so what, can't I just use a Taru and the Gemso together? 
Does that mean I'm Juyo? Like, what does that mean? And then they say Juyo, you know, helps you access the dark side of the force and, you know, Roy rage on Padawans everywhere or something. And, and it's like, I'm not going to do that, you know, in the real world. So I don't really have any use for it myself. That's my personal thing on it. I, as I said, I don't disparage anybody what they do. Um, I don't begrudge anybody. If, if you're a hardcore Juyoist and you want to do that and you have your own thing for that, more power to you. Go out, do it, do a great job at it. If I can help you in any way, I will. I think this is a fun topic. We, you know, like, Juyo is one of those things where I think there are a lot of people that probably agree with you. Like, there's no Earth version of Juyo that makes sense to them, right? Um, or that they want to try and formulate because to them they're like, the other six do everything I need it to do. And for a large portion of people, I think that's probably true. Here's how I think of Form 7, and Katie, I know that um, Eric is really passionate about Form 7 in many ways, positive, negative, and in between, right? And I feel the same way. Form 7 to me is, it's the form that teaches you the most about what the seven forms are. Here's what I mean. The seven forms really have very little to do with physicality. They describe physicality through the philosophies they support right? And the philosophies that they strive to teach, you know, they're, they're named for those things, determination, contention, and so forth, so on, right? So when you get to Juyo, and the philosophy really has a lot to do with tapping into darkness and enjoying the fight, taking mm -hmm. the things from other forms, like you said, form four, form five, honestly, really everything. It's like form six, 0.5 really not really seven like a dark version of form yeah six or something. yeah and to me it's just about like like if i use form seven it's because i'm really having a good time like hitting people that day <laughs> you know what i mean i'm kind of like i'm like really enjoying fighting to a degree that i wouldn't normally so to me like juyo is like steeping yourself in the blade you're not really sure. worried about your forms anymore capital f you're just worried about how are you gonna flow from one dangerous position to another dangerous position and like laugh and cackle wildly while you do it because why wouldn't you you know uh but i i see what you're what you're saying about it not really not really existing for people who can't tap into the force that was it that was a fun way to say that all right Let's welcome Alan onto the show. We got the Prez in the hey, house. Hey, Alan. Tapping into darkness is my punk band name. <laughs> Tapping into darkness. Is it your scene band name? Right. <laughs> We're talking about how the seven forms are kind of like the perfect vehicles for discovering the evolution of all martial arts throughout history. Well, it's interesting because I, I came in right as you were talking about Julio. Uh, that's my Tapping into darkness uh, comment. Matt's um, forms don't really, he doesn't really teach a Juyo or even have one. Right. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, one of those things where if you're doing martial arts and you want your, your student to come back, right. You, you don't want to really do that. Um, <laughs> funny thing is though, like um, judo, right. Is uh, translated to gentle way. Yeah. Right. 
and yo is actually just an exclamation point at the end of the sentence in Japanese. So it's just like yelling gentle. <laughs> the irony with that. Yeah, the irony. That I was just going to say. Yeah. Oh, my God. Being gentle with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to gentle you to death. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. However, uh, I believe that everybody actually does practice a little bit of Juya when they're fighting their friends. Yes, that's yeah. I think that's what I'm saying. Like when you really enjoy bopping a dude in in trading, like I don't know. To me, that's a little juyo moment, you know. If you watch any of the tournaments I'm in, you could make an argument that I'm doing juyo because I am laughing and cackling inside my mask. And Katie knows this too. But even when we're when we spar, it's, it's just like, what are you doing? I have no idea. Often, often reckless, yeah. but somehow yeah. making it work. Yeah, and we. I, I like to use um, uh, not on purpose, but I, I tend to use Dun Mok, which is basically uh, throwing mm. my opponent off with an offhanded comment. You know, mm. do that every once in a while. Fode's really good at that, but only at Nick. For some yeah, oh my yeah. God, I've been <laughs> poor Nick. Uh, that's the he's last you'll hear the, me say that. He's the whipping boy of this freaking board. If it wasn't, if it wasn't, so, <laughs> if it wasn't for his reactions, though, uh, that, that he's just like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, banking that one for later. <laughs> my students with that, you know, uh, it's kind of one of those things. But yeah, uh, Juyo right is canonically. Can we can we use the canon here? Yeah, yeah, for no, sure. Canonically, uh, just like. The love of the fight, right? It's the Rocky montage of Saber Forms. I don't choose, I don't teach Juyo, but somehow embody it, I guess, is the <laughs> how it goes. When I have people ask me about Juyo, that's kind of what I tell them. I'm like, I'm not going to teach you Form 7, but I'll tell you when I used it on you. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it, it's one of those things like we all have with each other. Right, a, a, a little form seven. A, in you, us. you actually have a little bit more respect for your opponent if you accidentally juyo. Accidentally. Oh, <laughs> yes, I have a story actually. That might be the title of this episode: "Accidentally Juyo." <laughs> no, no, there is such thing. There is such thing. Uh, you guys have. You guys knew that Marina broke her thumb when mm -hmm. we when. Yeah, mm -hmm. I broke her thumb. Yeah. Eric. Eric taught. When Eric was training in the lightsaber realm from his uh, first teacher, uh, she was in the Sith uh, group that was in San Diego, and she was brutal. Like, they embodied Sith. <laughs> um, so that his first form was actually Julio, Julio in the, after his surgery. So he had a lot of pent-up aggression. So he was, and he's gotten over that and everything, but so he was showing Marina and I some motions and we're like, oh, that's super cool. And so one training night, I'm like, well, we've taught this and maybe we can use it like against each other for funsies, nothing super like ridiculous. And I totally like did a motion, broke her thumb. And she's like, I think you broke my thumb. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like she pulled it off. It's like swollen. Jeremy's like, it doesn't look broken. Touches it, twisted it a little bit. She's like, ah. <laughs> um, and so Eric was like, 
I thought we discussed that you were not allowed to use any of that. I'm like, well, I figured it was fine because Marine and I both learned it. And he's like, no, if I teach you this, you do not use it. Because again, they embodied the group that he was part of embodied the, the Sith and was brutal. And how Julio was taught to him was basically use your aggression, use the strength behind it, use the emotion behind it. So there is no control with it. Even if the emotions, again, we were just sparring for fun, but the motion itself is bone breaking literally yeah and so the only person that he has really taught it to is knight harley because this guy is the most passive guy you've ever met he i've never seen him get angry i've known him since junior high i've seen him maybe get angry once but i've never seen him get angry so going to with julio it is very much for at least for sds we it is an option but it's only only for the knights and Eric, who Eric sees fit to actually use it, we don't we don't teach Vapod because that is heavily force based and we don't have that. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, Julio's bone breaking. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned the the staccato thing too, and like if you're looking at it strictly from a physical perspective, like what is Julio from a physical? How would I teach a Julio velocity? Well, then you can go kind of back to that description of like the um, kinetic nature of a Taru plus the power of Gemso plus kind of the jack of all trades aspect of form six and the aspect of form two where you um, like are are worried about like a single opponent, you know what I mean? Overcoming a single opponent and then form one, whatever is in your way is going to die. And, you know, um, form three is not really in Juyo, but you're never in a location where your opponent can strike you. So that aspect of form three is there. Right. And I think Katie, what you said about like it, it just the nature of it is bone breaking. I think that's a hundred percent correct because if you're using staccato, aggressive, powerful motions at a fast pace in places where your opponent can't get to you from one to another, you're going to end up exercising extra of everything, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. without even trying. You could be the most controlled fighter out there and you're still going to add extra of everything. So from a perspective, like you're saying, Maestro, of like, I don't even worry about Form 7. I think that's probably something that a lot of people... Like, I know Keith has talked to us in the past about, like, I don't really think I need to worry about doing a Form 7, you know. I don't, I don't think Keith can physically do that because he's such a chill dude. That's what – yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't even fit into what he would want to teach his students, you know. and Or at least that's my opinion, you know, as an outsider looking in. And I think that a lot of people probably feel that way. Now, if you're, like, a tournament fighter and – all you do is live and breathe lightsaber tournaments. I don't know. Maybe you might want to, you might want to look into like enjoying the fight a little bit and throw in some aggression in there. But at the same time, you don't want to be that person that's like breaking thumbs in tournaments. That's like yeah. not what this is about. You know what I mean? The the difference of that is like uh, enjoying the fight. Like you're having fun with it. Like Alan's a great example. He doesn't matter who it is, especially with his friends or people he knows. He enjoys it for funsies. You know, he's not, but he's not out trying to crush the opponent. And I feel like with the whole thing with Julio, as 
that it is basically you're pissed off at the world and you feel like you have something to prove. Yeah. And so the whole point is you're trying to guard break stuff. You're trying to ruin, just basically crap on somebody's day because you're pissed off at some stupid ish. And so that's, I think that's the difference of enjoying it, having fun with it. And then just, if you're pissed off, you shouldn't be fighting period anyways. That's so. yeah. That's, that's really a good point that everybody should hear again. And if you got that little 15 second kickback on your iTunes there, <laughs> just listen to that point again. Um, <laughs> so maestro, let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite forms. Uh, what do you, oh, great. Before you do that, can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. Do you, do you, uh, do you go into any version of a pod at all? Because obviously we don't have, you know, the ability to do a force back loop that I know of. Yeah. Um, I'll share with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, <sighs> short answer is no. The long answer is yes. <laughs> so, okay. so, explain yeah okay like uh canonically canonic problem show your work first of all let's define for the listeners let's define vopad as opposed to juyo yes. juyo is the seventh form of lightsaber combat it was described for thousands of years as an incomplete form because of its tendency to focus on a sith-like martialized mentality and it triggered the fall to the dark side of many jedi therefore its study was regulated heavily by the jedi council vapad is what you got when mace windu who was a genius martial arts master took form seven and made it his personal form and completed it and he worked with other masters to do that like sora bulk who his work on Julio Vapat did trigger his fall to the dark side. That is um, a phenomenal comic book, by the way. The old Dark Horse days. Yes. That was the Mace Windu one shot, I think. Oh, man. Golden age of Star Wars comics Sorry, right there. You just, oh, um, man, you've been lighting these okay, little big yeah. uh, lighters also, under my tush. Right? <laughs> Shatterpoint, uh, he talks a lot about it in Shatterpoint. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vapat, the thing about Vapat is Vapat is very much a Mace Windu thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the canon, if you if you read the like if you read the Mace Windu book Shatterpoint, where he he talks a lot about Vapad and in um, the novelization of Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. um, you 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 kind of get the sense that Vapad is very much a Mace Windu not only thing because he did teach it to his student Deepa Balaba, mm-hmm. who he actually credited with being a better swordsman than he was. Yeah, with Vapad, right? It's the ability to harness incoming energy or aggression from a dark sider that you're fighting and then through a process that he calls a superconducting loop run that energy through yourself and then back to the opponent so you're turning the strength of the dark side against itself which according to the novelization of revenge of the sith was what allowed him to compete and match evenly with Palpatine. And I find it interesting that Vapad was not actually what allowed him to defeat Palpatine. We don't need to get into that whole thing. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm very much a get off on a thousand tangent kind of guy. If you let good, me. So I'll try to keep it, to try to keep it focused, but, <laughs> but, but that's what Vapad is. So short answer. Do I teach a style that I call Vapad? No. Yeah. Long answer. 
I don't know if you've done much work um, or, or have much familiarity with Aikido, mm -hmm. uh, which is a Japanese martial art that was created in, in the uh, 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, its founder was named, uh, his name was Morhai, Mor uh, I'm going to butcher it, I'm sorry. His, his, his name was Morhai, that was his first, uh, yeah, Morhai. Anyway, um, he founded uh, the style of Aikido, based it on um, Japanese jujitsu techniques. And well, the man. entire premise of Aikido is that you do not harm the opponent, mm -hmm. that you establish a relationship of peace in yourself and in every interaction you have in the world, even if that interaction is violently trying to kill you. He, a lot of people have opinions on Aikido. I'm not here to defend it or to bash it. I'm just saying it exists. And if you study the philosophies of Aikido, it's almost exactly like Bobcat. You're taking the incoming energy of an opponent and turning it back against themselves. Um, so you use the opponent's aggression to defeat them. And my form three Sarisu is heavily influenced by Aikido. So long, long answer is I actually sort of teach a Vapad in Sarisu. What a tricky, like unique take on that. Quite, like Alan's question, kind of, I didn't expect that answer at all, you know. But it's a very unique way, like, to come about to Seresu through Vapid or. You know. Well, if you think about if you think about um, what Seresu is, it's it's described as a nonviolent, pacifist yeah, sort of yeah. thing where where you defend yourself, but you're not really good at attacking. And if you look at Aikido, that's what it's designed to do. Yeah. It's designed to pacify an incoming aggression they don't even teach in aikido they don't even teach aggressive techniques they don't teach you to punch people in the head or to knee people or to attack pressure well they do teach you to manipulate pressure points but not to do any damage the point of aikido is that when you're done with this technique the opponent should be neutralized and he should be able to get up and be unharmed aikido is interesting too because <laughs> Alan's heard me go on both ways on Aikido and truth <laughs> be told, I do have a lot of respect for people who study any martial art for any length of time. It has nothing to do with one art versus another. Um, what I found is that a lot of Aikido practitioners that I've encountered have this idea that like Aikido is the only piece to the puzzle that they need. And Aikido, like many Japanese arts and many, like, even if you look at European arts, like Fiore, things like that, it was all about all of the pieces in the puzzle. And Aikido was just one piece that made up the whole samurai training regimen or the whole, whatever the, the artists, you know, profession or whatever reason they were taking martial arts. Aikido was just one part of that. It was MMA long before the UFC, right? They would be doing like you said, jujitsu, which was just one way to familiarize them with Aikido or vice versa, right? You're cross training because everything makes sense. And then you throw a samurai sword into that. And now you can learn how to do basically Seresu in feudal Japan with your katana. Yeah. No, <laughs> if you study Aikido long enough, they'll put a sword in your hand and they'll teach you Aikido principle with the sword and the sword techniques are a little different. The sword techniques are designed to kill. They, they're absolutely lethal. Um, because if you're drawing a blade, you're, let's not, you know, let's not pretend that that thing isn't anything other than a tool designed to. Sure. Sure. Same could be I mean, said of Seresu, right? Like 
Obi-Wan didn't not kill a whole bunch of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, I, I mean, honestly, I don't if I was a real if I was really a Jedi, I would be as proficient in Sarisu as I possibly could be. It wouldn't be my only form of study, but I would absolutely you're singing. If Katie's I could song. get as good as Obi-Wan was, I would. I mean, never being touched. Yes, sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let me never get cut by a lightsaber. That sounds like a plan. Little mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you never get cut by a lightsaber unless you choose to be. Mm-hmm. Although he did, he did get, he did lose to Dooku. So I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't a master of Sarisu at that level. At that point, he wasn't a master of Sarisu. <laughs> that probably was the uh, uh, the wake up call for him. Like, man, I gotta get better at blocking. Yeah, well, he watched. He saw how he saw how Qui Gon Jinn's strength based Ataru hybrid was insufficient to defend against the the you know Darth Maul's uh, unconventional tactics and weapon, and so he started training in Sarisu to, to bulk up his defense. And then he lost to Count Duke, and he's like, "Oh, I need to really yeah. buckle down on my defense and get this," you know. And that was, and also it just jived with his personality, I think. Yeah, Sarisu is uh, does match his level of sass. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, you can't touch me. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you would you say Sarisu is one of your favorite forms to use as a as a fighter? It is actually one of my favorite forms to use. Um, I would consider myself a, a Nyman practitioner. I, I would say that I'm, I'm equally versed in in all the of the forms that I you know, developed, obviously, because I developed them. But um, when I'm fighting, I will do, I, I will, mm, it would it will depend a lot on my opponent, which is why I say I'm a Nyman practitioner. Um, I respond to my opponent and what they're doing, uh, As uh, tailoring myself, you know, using different forms and different tactics and in different ways and things like that. But I love Sarisu. And one of my favorite things to do is if I'm, I'm a teacher at heart, and when I'm working with with people, I I can't help it. I just I'll just start doing it. I'll start teaching them, not with words, but while I'm fighting. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is to stop attacking them and see how long it takes them to notice that I'm just blocking all their attacks and they're not hitting me. And uh, you know, and I'm I'm just using I'm just practicing my sarisu at that point. So yeah, I'd say I I, I really love using it. So then, as far as form six is concerned. You mentioned that would be probably your your most. Con- Where do you find yourself falling? Let's say from a offensive standpoint, what forms do you most often employ in your form six use? Form two. Form two. I uh, form two is close to my heart. <laughs> okay, I kind of figured with your with your fencing background, you would say that absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Then for our fencing fans out there, hopefully there's a bunch of them. Um, what of the three master weapons would you say is your favorite and the one that you relate most to in Makashi? That's a good one. Um, I would say it's actually a saber. I would say it's actually a saber, but I am an unconventional saberist. When it comes to saber, I, I again, I don't want to trash talk anybody. My personal taste for modern Olympic saber 
I don't, I don't care for it. I don't care for where they've taken that, that particular art. Um, I love Epe. Uh, I love foil, but, uh, you know, I, I think that Sabre has really stepped away from just because of the way that the rules are structured and the specifications of the weapon and, and some things like that. Well, let me just tell, I'll tell you a, a brief, brief anecdote to, to kind of, say where I'm going with this. I got to work when I was working at the Fencing Academy, I got to work with a student who came from Egypt and he was uh, an internationally ranked saber fencer. He was 17 and he was on his way up, you know? Um, and uh, he, I mean, he stomped the floor with me. I, I did some saber with him. He's, he's young and he's fast and he's, he knows what he's doing. Um, but I got a little tired of it and <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought maybe I'll teach him something. So um, this, this will be kind of hard to describe in, in words, but he, he came at me with sort of a, a jumping lunge, a flesh that you do in Sabre. He attacked uh, my 12 o'clock on, on the mask. And when he did that, I dropped my body down on uh, squatted, raised my Sabre up, caught his blade at the, the section of the bell guard and the blade. And while I held him there, while he was in the air, I flicked my tip in and scored on his mask. That's and when sick. he landed and realized that I had hit him instead of him hitting me or double touching, I mean, his jaw hit the floor. And he was like, what the heck did you do? What, what did you do? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> and I was like, this is called a rap. And uh, and he's like, what's a rap? I never heard of this before. And I was like, I know you haven't because you're, you know, you're very orthodox and I don't want to undo all the work that you're coaches are doing with you but this is how you do a wrap and and i explained to him the concept of wrapping and how you can use it to get around the blade and it, it, he'd never seen anything like that before but if you go back to the origin of olympic saber fencing which is actual fencing with cavalry sabers you know military sabers they did that sort of thing all the time well there were that a bunch was, of military sabers that had sharpened false edges for you know what 10 inches down the blade you know down yeah. the spine of the blade so that's immediate when you mentioned or, or were describing what you were doing the first thing i thought of was like a hungarian saber that has a very Absolutely. sharp back of the, of the tip so to me that made perfect sense but of course it's not a military saber anymore right, right. which i think is what you're trying right. to get at it is yeah um, so, so that's just my personal taste on, on Sabre, but I still love it. It's, you know, it's really cool. Um, and I really love Epe. I love Epe. It's, Epe is a lot of fun to fence with. If you have a chance to try out fencing, try out Epe fencing. It's, it's really great. It's a lot of fun. And I love it. There you go. Strong words there for that. Mr. Venable, you look like you're itching to ask something. Oh no! I just uh, I just thought of when I was learning FA and I kept on stabbing my instructor in the toe. Like, <laughs> He's like, "Stop that!" Like, it got me a point. Is that a it's valid legal. target? <laughs> yes. Yeah, valid target. yeah. Oh, interesting. And uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where, <laughs> where, yeah, after a while, he was just like, "All right, enough of that." <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was a funny thing because uh, it, we had an exchange. Uh, I was teaching him Chinese sword, and he was teaching me uh, fencing. So when we were uh, when we were learning, like even my the stuff that I have, do I have one, this one over here? No, I don't. Okay. Anyway, there's uh, I have 
him in the garage. But the the foil and the epee and the saber that I have are are from him. Um, saying, yeah, these are these are my practice ones. So they had like energy in them. You know, they 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 had a lot of mat time in them. So I was like, ah, this is an honor. He's like, yeah, great. Uh, here's your lesson. And we started going and within like a month he's like okay you got it he's like everything else you've taught me is you know basically the same thing <laughs> so you have everything you need now do it i'm like that's super cool okay and then i never saw him again it was insane <laughs> <laughs> he was like you know the, the 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 hermit on the mountain that just like uh, i was out there picking berries or whatever and he showed up here do this okay <laughs> I'm going to teach you to do saber with your left hand. I'm like, really? Why? You don't want a, one big right arm, do you? I'm like, no. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. That's perfectly valid. <laughs> so that, that's, that was what I was saying. That whole like flash, my, uh, my facial expressions was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I always think of stabbing people in the toe as like a rude move, but it is, it is it, a good it, it move. Where, where, again, it, it's it's about uh, respecting the other fighter, right? He's like, He basically was just like, I can't believe I'm letting you get away with this every time. Like, I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta figure this out. And he finally figured it out, and, and then I was like, alright, cool. I, I don't know how to hit you now. <laughs> last, uh, last January, I think it was, I was teaching um, a weapons class, and I was working with a a rattan staff. It's like mm-hmm. six and a half feet long, really flexible rattan staff. And, uh, one of my favorite mediums for all weapons is rattan. And I didn't think I was doing anything crazy, but I was working with like a 10 year old mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> Mr. Fode's not exactly the, the, the most, um, compassionate teacher. No, <laughs> wouldn't have guessed. So, so he was kind of being a, a wet noodle, you know how ten year olds do sometimes. And uh oh, yeah. he was kind of flopping around and giggling about getting hit in the face with a sword and a stick. And I'm just like, All right, well, time to teach a lesson or two. So I <laughs> I poked him in the foot with my rattan staff. And I felt really bad and this and that and we had a talk about toughen it out and how sometimes <laughs> in martial arts it happens <laughs> you know did you tell him to walk it off well i right? did and then <laughs> the next morning i woke up with a broken um a broken um sesamoid bone which is the bone that holds the tendon of the ball of your foot together so here i am beaten up on 10 year olds and karma bit me right in the toe literally like the next morning and i had a broken bone for six months basically i was nursing this injury walking walking with a rattan cane after that um wow. so techniques. what's that just do your your uh, cane techniques <laughs> yeah, yeah i oh i i definitely got into it a little bit i started like uh Looking for um, custom shillelaghs. <laughs> <laughs> Every shillelagh is custom. And that's an art. People don't make shillelaghs the way they used to, I guess. Well, you have, when you have a bulb of wood that's just meant to knock away wolves, you know, while you're taking your morning walk, I mean, it's 
hey, I'm down. <laughs> it's so badass. And it's got like a name. Makes you think it's like a type of music, you know? It's like, oh, we're going to go down to the pub for a shillelagh. No. No, you don't want to go to the pub for a shillelagh. That means somebody's <laughs> losing teeth tonight. <laughs> Somebody's got a shillelagh at the pub. It turns into a Donnybrook. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Matt, you, um, we we talked a little bit earlier about how you were one of the, you know, we we often say like the first, but nobody really knew at the time that anybody else was as nerdy as they were. Um, mm-hmm. You were one of those people who read Fight Saver and started developing the seven forms on your own, kind of independent of anybody else in the Star Wars fan base. Um, and this, you know, for anybody who's listening who's not really old enough to remember 2002, like the internet... Was still new and scary. Oh, it was yeah. a completely different place, you <laughs> yeah. know? You couldn't just get info. What's something maybe you can offer to people who are working on developing their forms or maybe who've been developing for a long time, but they just kind of like they need to look at stuff in a fresh way. Um, What are some of the things, hurdles or successes that you've had in developing the forms and some things that you can give people in terms of like, this is maybe a a safe general way to go about things. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I think uh, if if you're look if you're interested in developing your own version of the forms, it's it never hurts to to look at what other people have done, and there is a real tendency to look at what other people have done and get frustrated and say, ah, someone's I had this idea, but somebody's already doing it, and ah, so and then and then people get frustrated and they don't finish, you know, what they started. I don't care if you take 95% of or take everything that I've got and use it to make 95% of something and call it yours. Go ahead. Because you lengthening your line doesn't cut mine down. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, I want people to steal my art. I want people to take, you know, from me. And I hope that that's one of the things that we can avoid. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about how the lightsaber is a really unique vehicle for exploring martial arts. Um, For me, I'm really interested in the evolution of martial arts and how the the commonalities that they all share, uh, because they all share a common evolution. But uh, one of the things that, that I think was really sad uh, that unfortunately it has sort of survived into this day is an attitude that ancient martial artists had, which was, we have to do this in secret. We have to protect what's ours. Yes. You know, and that made sense when it was a life and death thing. You didn't want somebody that you were going to meet on the battlefield to know what you were going to do. Right. It was life and death. I mean, it was really serious. People would take uh, a capan or blood oaths, you know, when they joined uh, uh, schools you know, that they swore that they wouldn't reveal this to anybody outside the school. You know, it was a very big deal. And unfortunately, I think a lot of that attitude sort of continued on with the with the uh, 1960s, 70s revival in American culture of or black discovery in American theater. culture of the martial arts. Yeah, black belt theater. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so they were like, well, this is our school and we've got to protect our techniques and our secrets. And not in this day and age. 
not yeah. in this day and age. There are no serious, secrets anymore. Serious, it's true. And there really shouldn't be. Serious martial artists are not going around attacking people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people that have that in their character, that they would go out and injure someone like that in, in that sort of way where you would have to be afraid of them, don't have the dedication and the perseverance and the moral fortitude that it takes to study an art for years and years and develop a real capacity and proficiency. Here, here. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. So don't worry about it. You know, um, let them see it. Let people, let people know what you're doing and don't be afraid to do what other people are doing. It works. <laughs> That's, you know, we're all humans. Uh, all martial arts are based on two things, anatomy and physics. We're all humans, so we share the same anatomy. And physics hasn't changed since the last Big Bang. So, you know, um, as far as I know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all based on it's all based on the same the, those things. So, you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to get to the same place. Let's help each other out. You know, share what you've got. And that's what I love about the Sabre community. Everybody that I've met has been so open and sharing mm-hmm. and and wants to talk and wants to to do things like we're doing here, you know, get together and, and talk lightsabers and nerd stuff and, and, you know, and grow and learn from each other, which I think is just great. Well, that, that's what we want to do with the foundation, right? The Sabre Martial Arts Foundation. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Jingwu Federation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Basically, for people that don't know, it's it's a federation that actually came out of necessity because rival dojos were killing each other and taking away the culture of kung fu, uh, and so they decided to do the Jingwu Federation in order to have a place to to discuss and develop and create uh, and research their martial art and. Yeah. get better it, it, it was one of the first like actual hey guys let's just get together and just be friends sort of <laughs> yeah. sort of uh things that was was done way back when i mean that was the whole um so if you guys ever have watched the movie fearless that's the whole the whole thing right he was a he was all about the fighting and then all of a sudden you know he 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 actually has a life-changing experience and he's like oh it's not about that <laughs> you know yeah but that, that's kind of what uh, what we all came together and envisioned for Sabre Martial Arts was that exactly what you said. Quote it, put it on the, the webpage. Do you know, you know, that's basically it. So thank yeah. you for, for saying it uh, because we've been saying it forever. And yeah. <laughs> the reason that we invited you on here is because we felt that that's exactly what it was. So yeah, yeah 100%. we are on the same wavelength here. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's, definitely. That being said, I do have a question for you. If yep. somebody was interested in doing martial arts or in, in doing uh, your lightsaber classes, right? What was what would their first day be like? Oh, that's a fun question. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I'll I'll. Uh, it, it, there's so many variables. I get it. There are there are. <laughs> Let's uh, get, okay, so like we live in the time of COVID. Yeah, yeah. We live yeah, in the time right. of COVID. So I'm not I'm not doing physical you know practices right now with anybody. Right. So. Let's um, but if let's I say was, if I was out of quarantine and somebody, yeah. you know, finds you and says, you know, hey, I, I would like to learn uh, lightsaber martial arts. And yeah. your response would be, OK, here we go. 
Yeah. Well, the first thing I would do is I would, and, and I recommend this sort of uh, pattern for anybody out there who's having trouble with this issue, maybe um, retaining students or um, not knowing what to do with student, new people that show up. Uh, the first thing that you need to do with any prospective student is you need to listen to them. And that's something that a lot of people who consider themselves masters aren't willing to do is listen to, to people who don't actually know anything. But you need to listen to them because you need to understand who someone is if you're going to teach them anything. Um, so I would, I would talk with a person first um, about anything at first, and I'd steer the conversation to, to martial arts, why they want to do it, you know, what are they hoping to get out of it, um, just so that I could know sort of what they're looking for. And then um, I would start off, I'd recommend starting off with a low intensity. I would introduce them to the lightsaber. I'd look at them very carefully and see how they're handling it. What's the first thing they do with it when they get it in their hand? They start spinning it around. Like, Are they a little afraid of it? Do they do they hold it awkwardly like they don't know what to do with it? Are they like, oh, I took sword classes before and this is how I hold it, right? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's how you hold it. Yeah, I think very good. You know, um, so I would do that. Um, I would also uh, start out with obviously Shicho, mm -hmm. um, because Shicho is the fundamentals. I think every school probably starts out with that. that's pretty common. Um, but I would start out with the fundamentals. I would start out with holding the sword. I would start out with standing, breathing, moving, add movement, movement of the body, then movement of the sword, movement of the body and the sword, you know, um, and, and build from there. And, you know, every student is different. Value, the best advice I can give to any prospective teacher is value people um, as individuals. They're not machines. You can't do the same thing for everybody and get the same result because nobody's starting in the same place and nobody's going to the same place. <laughs> you know, um, everybody's different. So you got to value people as individuals. You got to show people you care. And if you want people to come back day after day, having fun, good fights is great. That's a really key thing. But the most important factor is showing people that you care about them. It's uh, the old adage, right? They don't care how yeah. much you know. They want to know how much you care. Yeah, and That's how do you one. do that through YouTube, right? Like you, you have a very unique. Um, well, I guess it's not as unique these days as not these it days. was when you no. started. Um, yeah, it was sure unique when you started. Like, I I know when I first found your channel, I was like, this dude knows what he's talking about. But like, is anybody else? Does anybody else know? that like he knows what he's talking about you know like is there anybody else in this room watching with me when you present your information through the youtube videos particularly when you're talking about how the forms philosophies fit into uh, what did you call them the fundamental formulas i think the fundamental formulas that yeah. that whole aspect of it where you're sitting down with the dry erase board and like just like walking people through your forms that right there is like showing through a very impersonal medium, in my opinion, um, that you can be personal and personable and show that you care about people progressing in this martial art that nobody even thinks is a martial art until just recently, really. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. I, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that because 
I do try as hard as I can to make what I produce accessible to everybody. I've been called dense. My, my material has been called dense before. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, but, uh, um, but it's uh, a dense topic. I, one Seven of, forms. It's it is. There's so topic. much. There's so much. And guys, I love, I love the sound of my own voice. So I'm going to go on and on for hours if you let me. So, you know, I will never shut up. I have to stop myself talking because I'll get into it and one thing will lead into another and I'm so excited about talking about it with people and, and I'll just go on and on about this and I'll, you know, and uh, so, um, yeah, one of the things I try to do on the, on the channel, I, I try to answer and respond, not just like, like them or heart them or whatever, every comment that's made, I try to give some response. Um, I, I have, I've gotten a single line question before and posted back to people, you know, long responses on 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 what to do because I, I don't want people to feel like i'm i'm just throwing this stuff out there and i'm like this is it you know deal with it if right. you can keep up keep up if not so long you know i don't want to do that i want everybody to benefit you know from what i'm doing and i understand that like you said the medium is impersonal i have to give the information i have to give the information and then i have to be willing to be there to support people after the fact and uh, make sure that they're so and I, I was actually surprised, uh, uh, you know, when I post that I don't get more questions um, than I do. I'm, all, I'm always checking to see, oh, has anybody said anything new today? Well, or don't you know, I, Maestro, I, that once they watch your video twice, they've mastered your form. <laughs> that's the way YouTube learning well, works. Once you watch a video that's, twice, that's you, you works, yeah. why watch it three you times? Like twice. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's a when you mentioned the comment, like a one question, then a big paragraph answer, whatever. You're really telling people it's so much more than this five minute video about the philosophy yeah. of Xi'an yeah. or the philosophy of Makashi. It's so much more yeah. than the things I just told you, because the things I just told you could open up another five, 15, 50 minute video about right. one like one cut in how you do it in all of the different forms could be a video that just goes on. And yeah, you know, I think my little joke is actually more true than we'd like it to be. People watch these short ish videos, uh, even a one hour video. That's like short, you know, because yeah. most martial arts classes are an hour to an hour and a half. So, you know, you watch a one hour video and you're like, well, I know everything about that. Are you watch TPLA seven form symposium, which is some of their best right. content, you know, because they really oh, yeah. go it's into the stuff. philosophy stuff, but these people think they mastered it. And it's like, yeah. well, the people making the videos aren't even telling you they mastered it yet. They're like telling you that. It, by your answer to their comments, you're telling them that I haven't mastered it. And here, let me show you how, you know, let me show you how I haven't figured it all out yet. Um, by giving yeah. you all the stuff I did figure out. And then there's so many gaps. You could do this stuff for decades and decades and yeah. still only know 1% of all there is to know about martial arts. I'm, I, we talked a little bit about how I've been, looking into martial arts and i've been in love with swords since i was five years old and watched teenage mutant ninja turtles um and 
I have been, I, I've hungry for knowledge. I constantly seek out new sources of knowledge. My wife is always angry at me because I'm on YouTube <laughs> looking at all these different HEMA channels and Kung Fu channels and all these different things. I'm watching these videos. I'm learning these principles. I can't attend, you know, I can't attend the, uh, the workshops, you know, all the time. And it's great to be able to have those on YouTube. YouTube, the internet's an amazing resource. Yes. Amazing resource. If you know but, how to uh, use it correctly. Um, <laughs> if you know how to use it correctly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I learned. I learned today. I'm so I'm 40. Sorry. I'm 40 years old. So I've been doing this for 35 years. Swords, interested in swords, learning about swords, all I can from every source that I could get for 35 years. And I am still learning. Were you like 22 yesterday? There's no way you're 40 years old. 40. Yeah. Holy crap. Holy crap. Clean living. (laughs) Dude, I don't look half as good as you and I'm not even 33 yet. So <laughs> I'd say you're doing okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I really like that you kind of, you kind of appreciate both edges of the sword of YouTube, not, not to use too obvious of a pun, but um, the aspect of it's a phenomenal resource and there's so many good martial arts channels now. So many, when YouTube first came out, it was totally the wild west and the martial arts people out there, like there's videos now with just compilations of crap martial arts content. I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. Right. But now it, it really is. There's a ton of good history, um, channels, Mm -hmm. martial arts channels, What's that? Production value uh, values going up. There's exactly. Yeah. That are just like, is this a documentary? Did I? <laughs> yeah, it used yeah. to look like those VHS tapes where like it looked like oh god, people yeah. don't even know what VHS is anymore. But like where they would take like Vaseline and smear it on the lens, you know, and that they're trying yeah. to teach you <laughs> dragon style yeah. or whatever, you know, stupid video. And yeah. now it's like, let me get up close and personal with this tactic this technique this teacher um and the student they're working with which is equally as important because i love it when you see somebody i know you've brought students onto your youtube videos many times and just training partners too and it's very cool to see how different people react to instruction in a live sort of environment where you know they're like they're forced to up their game a little bit as a student because other students are relying on them they're relying on their teacher they want to make their teacher and themselves look good so i love that aspect of youtube too that one side of the sword but that other side really is like kind of a kick (laughs) in the butt sometimes when you scroll down on a really good video and you look at the comments and somebody's like this would never work in the octagon you're like oh okay yeah the octagon yeah the octagon oh yeah the octagon yeah yeah oh my gosh i I can't tell you how much it's like the 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 comments on like that on the octagon i can't all right you know what i'm gonna take this opportunity because people are listening and I'm going to put my, if you don't mind, I'm going to put my opinion on that, that attitude, it. that comment right here. Where's yours? yours. Um, this is the most common uh, comment that I hear regarding uh, martial art. We talked about earlier, Aikido. Everybody, everybody talks about how Aikido, 
You can't use it in the octagon. You can't use it. In, okay, here's what I'm going to say to you right now. If you ever see anyone step into an octagon trying to use Aikido, I tell you right now, they are not a master of it. They do not understand it at all. I'm not saying they haven't trained in it. I'm not saying they don't know the techniques. I'm saying that the the heart and soul of Aikido is absolutely 180 degrees away from an octagon setting. Mm -hmm. The techniques are not designed to be used in a sports setting. Everyone says the octagon is real. And it, I mean, it is very realistic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's brutal stuff. And those guys are serious martial artists. And they're serious athletes. And any of them can kick my butt. You know, I'm not stepping into the octagon. No way. Um, but at the same time, that's not really real. It's it's a sport. There are rules. There are holds that are barred. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, nobody's eye gouging and nobody's, you know. Yeah, no groin shots. And, yeah. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying that that would make the, all the world of difference, but I'm just saying it is a difference. And it, 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 to use the Aikido reference again, um, one of the things that is taught in Aikido specifically is that these techniques will not work against an uncommitted attack. They are specifically designed to work with a fully realized, aggressive, lethal intent. So when someone's coming at you really, really hard with everything they have to, to kill you, that's when you need to use these techniques because that's when they're giving you enough energy to do something with. If you step into an octagon and someone's giving you little, you know, quick jabs to soften you up, sweet science boxing you and you can't run away by the way if you ever step into a martial arts facility and the first thing that they don't tell you is if you're ever in a real fight run away leave the dojo right you don't yeah be there. yeah um you know it's designed to be used after or in cases where you can't run away and the octagon doesn't doesn't sufficiently ex you know uh, uh simulate that so no, Aikido is not going to work there. No, Tai Chi is not going to not going to really work there. It's designed for it, it's it's got a different design. You know, it's got a different purpose. Yeah, this uh, coach that I'm working for a little, working with a little, um, he's retired kickboxer, sand show fighter, and he says all the time, like like right now, he trains MMA fighters. That's what he does. Um, yeah. But he says all the time, like, there's no bad martial art. There's just bad right. applications of the wrong martial art at the wrong time, you know? Absolutely. It's like there's no harm in learning any martial art at all. Um, yep. You just have to understand which toolkit you're taking out when. And I think that's really a full full circle way of looking at the lightsaber forms. Like you don't have to learn them all, but there's no yep. harm in learning any of them, you know, yeah. um, including Juyo or, or whatever you, well, you know, Jarkai or, or some of the things that people are like kind of a little bit more like hesitant to either share or um, learn or teach whatever. Sure. I think if you understand the application, like, Gemso is a good example. I keep bringing up Gemso because partly because I'm I'm just such a fan of it and it's a fan of me, I guess. Um, but 
I also think it's one of those forms that's misunderstood. A lot of people think it just means you go in there and you start hacking away at your opponent and you, yes. you, you have to be physically superior. Yes. It's like, well, physically more powerful and superior, like more power. And it doesn't always mean that you're breaking a heavy grade blade every time you hit somebody. It doesn't Absolutely. mean that you're putting dents in their fencing helmet. It means that when you step you're stepping to a place of superior position and power of frame and power of intent, right? But that has a different purpose than Seresu, which uses equally or more powerful blocking and and parrying and dodging, which Gemso also does. Yeah. But there's no sense of overpowering. It's all about like putting the candle out. For people to truly understand one form, like let's say you want to be an Ataru specialist. Well, go ahead and do the math leading up to Ataru. Do form two. <laughs> do form one. You know, um, Learn the footwork from form three so that you yeah. know what somebody who might be trying to defend themselves against you might be doing. And that's, that's all martial arts. If you're an Aikido person, start watching yeah. MMA. Start watching boxing and learn something about what other people do. That doesn't mean you have to stop or think that what you're doing is less important or less effective. You know, when somebody bumps into you in the hallway, you know how to move out of the way. Like, that's a big deal for some people who get their textbooks knocked out of their hands and feel bad because they're, you know, the small kid or whatever. And their their textbooks get dropped on the ground every day in high school by that one butthead every single day. Like a little Aikido training, I don't know, might teach them a little bit about how to handle themselves. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I know, I know some Aikido techniques. I've studied, I've studied some, you know, I've studied. I'm, I'm very well versed in the principle and the theory behind it. And I'll tell you, I use that all the time, not in fights, in daily interactions with other people. I use the the power of harmony, which is what Aikido teaches, to uh to neutralize aggressive intent in other in others and it, it's just you know in conversation someone comes at you hard hey i don't like that you did this you want to res- you can respond by going hard back throwing the you know metaphorical punch back in their nose or you can roll with it you know say oh man i'm really sorry i didn't realize i did that to you you know can come on over here let's sit down and let's talk about it for a little bit that's aikido being used, you know, in daily life. And I also know, uh, I also studied a little bit of boxing and I love Mayweather's shoulder roll to counter punch. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look that up. Oh man, it's beautiful. I, I just giggle like a school girl every time I see him doing it. It's wonderful. Um, but I've never used that. I've never used that in real life. I've never had to, I've never had to get in a box, you know, in like a, a real life and death struggle you know, with somebody. So, so which one is really more valuable in today's day and age? You know, I mean, think, you know, think on it. And they're both great. They're both wonderful. I love both of them. Um, so, you know, just, you know, look at things and, and don't, don't take, you know, don't take the martial arts seriously. Like they did a thousand years ago. We're not doing that anymore. We're not killing. We're not killing each other. Anymore. If you're the type of person that would comment on what is and is not effective in quote unquote MMA, then you should be looking at every MA 
as part of that first M, that mixed, you know? Yeah. You should be looking yeah. at everything for what kind of seasoning it can add to your plate. And um, like you said, like verbal seresu or verbal Aikido, right, is, is just as important. And any form that you like, I'm yep. such a like sassy, like, like <laughs> I'm verbal Ataru, verbal Juyo, especially with Nick. I hate you, Nick. Um, <laughs> and I love you, Nick. No, I, I like you. You're all right. But I'd die for you. That's basically. What yeah. You're yeah. <laughs> but like when it comes to sword fighting, obviously I like the countering. But when it comes to like. Unarmed martial arts, I'm smaller than everybody, and I don't have a lightsaber to equalize the situation. So I'm 100% Seresu when it comes to unarmed martial arts. I'm that guy who's trying to catch all the punches on my palms, trying to get out of the way, slip, kick you in the leg, slip, kick you in the leg, just because like that's that's how I'm going to survive the next five minutes of this round. There's so much value in learning all those things. People look at me and they're like, oh, how do you kick like that? Like... Well, I've been doing karate for almost 30 years, but at the same time, I look at how they wrestle and I'm like, well, how do you do that? Can you show me that? With the forms, I think there's something for everybody in every form, but not everybody has to feel like they have to be like a master of every form. Well, that's what's beautiful about, you know, what we're doing is the fact that like a, uh, my shicho is different than your shicho, which is somebody else's shicho. And, but we're all doing shicho, you know. We're, we're all and we recognize that we're each doing yeah. shicho. We see it as shicho when we're looking at it. Exactly. And then you know, same with all the other forms. It's, it's like uh, like you're saying, it's, it's a philosophy behind it, right? But maybe my philosophy is a little bit more. Uh, peppered with uh, a different martial art than yours is because you actually studied more of this than I did of that. So of course it's going to be slightly different, but that's the beauty of it. That's what you should be doing. If you're developing the forms. Yeah. Yes. Martial art. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There's a, there's something that I use. I I teach to people. I don't know if it's in any of my videos. I don't think that it is. It's, it's more universal kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. but I talk about, um, I, I define some terms with regards to martial arts and saber, saber martial arts in, in uh, particular. Um, I, I define the terms of uh, uh, principles, mm-hmm. strategies, tactics, and techniques. I remember that video. Princip- <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> principles are universal mm-hmm. and always true, no matter what situation you're putting in. These are the, the barest, barest basic principles of, of all martial arts and life and everything. And we all right now, without even knowing anything about each other, have those same principles in common mm-hmm. because they're true no matter what. Those are the things that are true. I won't get into what principles, you know, specific examples of those, but just in the relationship between all these terms. Mm-hmm. So principles inform strategies. Mm-hmm. Strategies dictate tactics tactics blossom into techniques and that's where you get the the differences the further down you go the more different we all become and the more unique we all are we can have the same general tactic of let's say overpowering our enemy 
But you might do that overpowering. You might express that overpowering uh, in a totally different way than I am using. And therefore, your techniques will be different than my techniques. When we talk about, uh, you know, uh, the commonalities that we all have, how we all have that in common, I think finding that common ground um, between different uh, you know, people who are teaching different styles of Shicho, different styles of Makashi, you know, that's way more important than any superficial differences that we that we might have. That same could be said of the human race. Would you not say that? Right. Yeah. Especially in yeah, this absolutely. day and age, like people need a healthy dose of truth in that regard. Like yeah. human beings are human beings. Martial arts are martial arts. Your hobbies are all your interests your activities, they're all valid. And um, I think we, again, we talked with Courtney a little bit about this. Um, Like if you're doing, let's say you're putting a lightsaber program into your local YMCA, you know, you need to get the kids moving. You want to promote health in the community, whatever. And you're the gymnastics teacher. Like you have to learn that what you know is already valid as a standing or as a jumping off point for other activities that you're interested in. Like gymnastics is a valid jumping off point for dance, for swimming, for track and field, so forth, so on, martial arts. Um, And if you want to put a lightsaber program in your YMCA and you don't have a martial arts teacher on staff, uh, yeah, go ask the gymnastics teacher if they're interested and tell them to go look up some some Bendu on YouTube. Tell them to go look up some TPLA on YouTube, some Saber Martial Arts Foundation podcast and get some feedback, get some talk to us, send us an email. We'll get you in contact with other people and you know, it's, it's just important for people to see what they do as valid, but also what other people are doing as valid. And that's something I've had to wrestle with myself. You know, you have an ego as a martial artist, the longer you do it, you have an ego. You think what you know is really important to other people. Um, and it may be, it may not be. And you have to swallow that often, especially if you're teaching, you have to swallow that every day. Like it, it does not matter what you know. Like you said, it matters if you care. And when you care about just getting people into an activity, then that's all you need. You know, a little bit of athleticism and a lot of determination. Shicho. Everything that we, we've talked about has all pointed right to, to the same thing, right? If you're going to be doing martial arts, period, whether it's with a lightsaber or not, whatever reason you have to do it, whether it's because you need more determination or you need more confidence or you need an activity so you can get out of the house or whatever it is, eventually, if you stick with it, it becomes part of you, right? It becomes that becomes you and that's part of the art right mm. uh we we say uh, you know uh, if you run water over a rock for 36 months even if you remove the water there's always a groove in the rock so that's kind of the the idea of martial arts right you where know? do you get these sayings there's just so many of them and they're all amazing <laughs> it's the it's the beard it's yeah. the beard folks. <laughs> 
it's the beard. The longer that your beard becomes, the more wise teachings that you have to impart. Yeah. Well, it's just, just the way it works. <laughs> story, if I shave my beard, I look like a 12-year-old. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I used to uh, be the youngest instructor, right? And then I started slowly, you know, going up in rank. And I, whatever I said was never really had any weight to it. Mm. And then I grew my beard and all of a sudden, yes, sir. <laughs> that explains yeah. Nick's situation then. That's true. Yeah, Nick, Nick is still working on learning how to grow a beard. I had, I had a lot of issues when I first started teaching with people calling me, sir. I first started teaching, I was like eight years old working with the, the four-year-old class. You know, it's just, I was just a brown belt who really wanted to, stick around at the dojo after school i didn't really care about anything else um and i would get called sir by like 40 and 50 year old adult students as they bowed into the dojo and that's just the culture that we had at our school like everybody recognized rank way above anything else and rank not just like the color on your waist (laughs) but like your experience level they understood what you were you know, representing. And it was so hard for me to figure out like how to navigate that, that feeling of going to school and my friends just talking to me like I was just some jerk and then uh, go into uh, the dojo and people still talking to me like I'm just some jerk, but a jerk that matters a little bit. And uh, that's a jerk, sir. Yeah. A sir jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And one of my black belt instructors kind of just came up to me and was like, you know, you have to be okay with them showing you respect. Like you said, nothing you said had any weight. He's basically saying like, they're, they're giving you all the tools you need for them to take you seriously. You know, they're showing you that they, you know, you've already, you've already proven that you're, serious about them so they're serious about you and that made a big impact on me because you know I was pretty young for most of my uh, beginning teaching career and then I became older when I moved on to teaching music and other things I became older than a lot of people I was teaching with and I saw some of those things where they would go like why are these people like showing me like opening the door yes sir yes ma'am it's like because you taught their kids something that they could have never given their kids and they recognize like that you have value, you have things that they want from you and they're willing to show you a little respect to get it. I think the Sabre community is starting to go that way for some people. Some people it's kind of going the opposite way and they're starting to lose a lot of respect because of the way that they seemingly don't really care about sharing don't really care about how others progress and it's more just about maybe money maybe um whatever fame you can get out of this stupid nerd activity we do um i don't think that's ever been a bendu mission necessarily although as far as the old lightsaber videos are concerned you do have some fame you know i yeah well uh funny story i told my i told my wife i had a i had a zoom call 
tonight after we we were at my brother's house uh, for his son's birthday. And I said, we got to get back by nine. I got to get on. And uh, and she said, what are you doing this Zoom meeting for? And I was like, "Um, well, lightsabers. And and she's like, why do they, what what are you talking about? There's this organization and they want to interview me and talk to me. And and we're going to talk about nerd stuff. It's going to be really, really fun. I can't wait. And she's like, why do they want to talk to you? <laughs> and I was like, well, I, mean, I, I teach, I, t- I teach lightsabers, sweetie, sweetie. I'm mine. And she's like, "Are you well known for that?" And I was like, uh, you know, some circles, maybe just a little couple people might know about me." So oh I get a good God. dose of, I get a good dose of humility at home. So it's, it's okay there. Well, when you're talking about um, the respect that was given to you when you were a kid, funny thing is, you probably asked them for that respect. You uh, told told them told their kids basically you will get the respect that you give and the fact that their parents are respecting you means that their kid will respect you more so mm-hmm. it's it's a wonderful little feedback loop uh, <laughs> we, i i had the same experience as you when i was a fencing instructor i always when i was beginning i always wanted the kids to call me matt not coach or sir or anything like that and uh it was explained to me by my mentor that uh they were not being instructed to do that for me it wasn't about me it was about them it was about giving them the opportunity to you know learn and grow and show respect to someone and you know it was more for them than it was for me it wasn't an ego stroke for me and that's how i was able to kind of accept it was um that it wasn't it wasn't about me it was about them and their education and their you know their growth as people yeah i guess i hadn't thought about it from an ego perspective and people give the word ego like this really negative kind of, it's not always mm. negative sometimes it's just no, not always. perception self perception right mm-hmm. and at a at a young age yeah i kind of felt like people were were like like flowering my ego up and i was like not comfortable with it because i was taught to be humble through martial arts and other things like right. that you know but yeah it's you're i never really thought of it that way it's not it wasn't about me ever yeah. you know i mean i i obviously i know that but i hadn't really boiled it down that way can you be humble enough can you be humble enough to let someone call you sir right yeah for them yeah for them so they get better at yeah. All the things that they're calling you sir for. Yeah. yeah. So what, that that being said, have you ever had parents tell you not to call them sir or ma'am? All the time. All the time, right? All the it's time. So, so yep. ingrained in the culture that being called sir or ma'am is negative somehow. But, you know, once you go into a professional martial arts, you know, institution or uh, school, academy, whatever, that sort of respect is, is kind of the... Uh, not even subliminal, right? It's it's pretty pretty much right in your face. No, you call me, I call you, ma'am. You know, it's cultural because it's not because of us. It's because of you know little Billy over there. What's the yeah. first thing you teach? You you, you asked uh, Matt. Um, yeah. What's what's the first thing you teach when a, when a new student? Honestly, the first thing you teach is how to bow or like whatever mm-hmm. your your school's version of a handshake is. You know, if it's a bow or if it is a handshake or if it's a a knuckle bump or if it's you know turning your saber on or at each other whatever who cares the point is you teach each other that one little measure of courtesy as the first thing and hi how are you and we used to say that to people we bow the bow is the way of saying how are you hello 
in martial arts speak, but they do that in dance class. You know, what do you do when you go to dance class? You take your shoes off before you go in the room. You wait at the side for the teacher to, to let you in. If there's a piano player, you know, you always do a little bow or a curtsy to the piano player. And it's just, I don't know. Military is kind of the, the easy comparison, Mm -hmm. but it's a good one. It, that well, aspect a, of the military is one of the best things about the military. I mean, it's, that's that's where a salute came from, right? Mm. Not giving each other respect by raising their visors. So, hey, it's me. Hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, we do the same thing in martial arts when we do one of these or something like that. Well, it's you know? the same, right. So the Western salute, right, and the Eastern salute, right, is real hot in China. So they didn't really wear it's armor. It's real hot. So. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> But that's kind of how, how that goes, you know, sometimes they, and there, there is a cultural like evolution happening right now, uh, especially in the Sabre community, which is why we are here. Right. I mean, it started with actually getting these things oh, that way, these things uh, able to, to have, um, you know, battle ready lightsabers for mass consumption. You don't have to get, the one out of 500 master replicas that are out there. It's no, actually I, I went online and I ordered it. It'll be here in three weeks. Keysabers.com. Yeah. <laughs> that goes. Hey y'all, this is your main man foe. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Saber Martial Arts Foundation podcast. I really hope you're enjoying today's show. I also just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor and the official Sabersmith of SMAF, Keysabers. If you're not familiar with key sabers, well, now's the time to get familiar. They offer two flagship combat grade sabers, the Persuader and the Slayer. The Persuader is a community favorite. It's been around for a while, sits at about 11 inches in hilt length. The blade retention is about three and a half to four inches, which is just ridiculous and super balanced. And the newest saber model would be the Slayer. Slayer is about 13 inches standard, but you can buy an extender for that to get it out to 16 inches if that's your thing. And really the main feature of every key saber is their all-in-one chassis system. The owner, Kyle, designed this chassis to fit the LED, the rechargeable battery, the switch, and if you buy one, the sound card, into this really sleek 3D printed design. Just a couple inches long, fits real snug into the bottom of your hilt and it won't be rattling around and breaking stuff inside your hilt while you're fighting which of course as a saber martial artist or just somebody who takes their saber fighting kind of seriously you're really going to appreciate that and with the switch on the bottom there's no greeblies on the outside of the hilt to like mess with your grip or cut into your palm or anything like that the best news is SMAF individual affiliates can talk to a board member or members of affiliate schools can talk to your head instructor and earn special pricing off the entire Keysabers lineup. Okay, enough babbling. Go to Keysabers.com, K-I-S-A-B-E-R-S.com and add a real martial arts tool to your toolkit now. That actually goes back to, that goes back to something we were talking about, Alan, before you were here, which was... Um, the evolution of martial arts yeah. and how the lightsaber is perfect vehicle. That that's a perfect example right there. One of the evolutionary triggers um, in, in martial arts and in, in, in the evolution of martial arts is uh, a technological. Yes. Um, you know, we see it in the past, new technology comes in, it changes the martial art. You know, yeah. um, when we stopped using bronze and they started using iron that changed 
fundamentally the martial arts in in eastern and western europe so you know the that just goes to show how another another small example of how lightsabers i consider to be the the go-to vehicle uh, a really really appropriate and effective um vehicle for uh, uh studying martial arts uh in the modern day yeah well because it, it is it can be any type of sword right yeah it, it can it is literally sword play mma yep when, when you're doing um when you're doing lightsaber and on top of it you can get away with some things that might not work with the particular sword form that you're you're doing now because there's like false edge moves and things like that that are completely valid and lethal and with with a lightsaber but not with a long sword let's say you know absolutely I, I mean there's there's a bunch of uh things that you could do just slightly differently with a curved hilt you know or you know a longer hilt with a shorter blade or whatever however you want to see it but fundamentally right principle is lightsaber right yeah five years old again let's do this <laughs> yes <laughs> you you look at like um the lightsaber from a technological perspective if it was real would be the dopest technology mm. you know there would be almost nothing except maybe the internet itself as cool <laughs> as lightsaber technology and even you know i know this is your point but like Going from a master replicas to a key saber is such a technological evolution that it's just like I, I couldn't have imagined 20 years ago that I would have a key saber now. I could just couldn't imagine it. It just seemed outlandish. And I was good with my mag light or my broomstick or my extra long rattan that I stuck through the circular saw to make it not as extra long. I just, I, now it's like that instant gratification has come through in the technological leap of the lightsaber, but a samurai sword going from like the average um, standard issue samurai sword that they gave to every foot soldier on the front lines to your ceremonial katana that could cut through four pigs bodies in one stroke that's a whole mess of a different level of blacksmithing technology and skill and on top of that just engineering cold-hearted algebra and geometry trying to figure out how things work to get from that to where you're making better and better versions of real swords and real weapons and faster, lighter, or stronger, heavier, um, sharper, more brittle, more flexible, all of those things led to the polycarbonate shaft inside of an aluminum hill for people like us who just were too hungry for all of that other stuff to be enough. Yeah, you see guys like uh, I'm. I'm sure you guys know who Doug Markaida is. I'm a big Doug Markaida fan. I love the guy. I was talking about him last night in our board meeting, but he's one of those guys who, like, on Forged in Fire, that show on History Channel, people often look at him and be like, "Well, he doesn't know how to cut with that sword." Yo, go ahead and stand in front of Doug Markaida with any sword and tell me he doesn't know what he's doing. Go ahead, like, he'll figure it out. He'll be good. <laughs> He's got everything he needs. Trust me. To like, he's 
now been posting a lot of lightsaber stuff on TikTok and 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 Instagram and just having fun with it. But for a guy like him, where else is there to go but lightsaber? After all of the weapons that he's familiar with, all the martial arts experience he's had, 40 plus years of martial arts experience, he's got his own knife designs being sold out there. Yeah, lightsaber's like the the only place for him that's left in the frontier of martial arts aside from taking up a whole other discipline that might take him 25 years to master he just doesn't have all that time left in his life he doesn't have that time to dedicate to all those different things but for him or a guy like him that's gonna be that five minutes that he spent making a tiktok video with a lightsaber was worth probably a whole week of regular martial arts classes you know that he might teach or take for his own personal progression. It's just that level of fun. You can't simulate progress without fun, without looking for something new. Well, that's how we get people to come back, right? Yeah. It's fun. It, it becomes, yeah. again, becomes a part of you. It becomes something that, no, no, this is what I do on Wednesday night, you know, or whatever night you do it, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of, we got, we all on this, on this podcast got the bug, you yeah. know, of martial arts um, no matter, you know, where it came from or, or what the actual story is, and it, it evolved into lightsabers, right? And and we went, oh, we can apply this knowledge to here, and uh, I, I want to apply this other knowledge to it because that's that's actually the canon. And, oh, yeah, okay, so now I can use it like this, and then I, I've created a whole curriculum. And then by the time you're done, it's a, you know, conspiracy theorist uh, red string board, you know, of martial arts and uh, things like that. Uh, or maybe that's just me. Maybe maybe that's uh, how my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that martial arts bug is real easy to get bitten by if you're open. I think people who go into martial arts training or any training of any serious hobby or discipline, when when they face a little bit of adversity and they feel like they're insignificant or. Um, just not enough what they did was was not enough like that's not necessarily failure and a lot a lot of times your martial arts teachers and coaches they don't think of that as failure like they're not there so that you're the best at throwing punches and kicks if you want to be the best at throwing punches and kicks who better to help you than a martial arts teacher but that's not what they're there for they're there to really kind of help you figure out if you're the best at throwing punches and kicks or if you can learn to do this or if you can interact with people in the class, if you can throw punches at them and get punched back without freaking out. All these other things are on their mind way before how well you can punch or kick, right? How well you can swing the lightsaber or the sword or the nunchuck or the spear. How well can you walk in the room and spend your time productively? That's like, can, how well can you put forth a little effort? I lost a, a black belt candidate recently, um, two actually, out of a class of 17. And they should be testing for their black belts in like late or middle of June, I think. But they had a second stage test and these guys just didn't do enough they just didn't do enough and i told them 
and their parents. Like it has nothing to do with their physical abilities whatsoever. I don't see any effort. Like I don't even see that. Like I saw a video game controller in the one kid's hand while I'm teaching class. Like, of course I'm not going to let you progress because if that's how you are after six months of training, you still think I'm going to let you play PlayStation while I'm teaching. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> okay. You got another thing coming. I mean, and it's not personal. I don't think any less of you as a person, you're more, people get lost in this. Like, Oh, I got to be really good at martial arts. So my yeah. teacher likes me. And I, so I no, like, no, they just want you to keep coming back and listen to like, if you can remember five words, they said, you're pretty much impressed them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think everybody, uh, uh, everybody here would agree that we want our students to be a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And, Absolutely. And, and to show us yeah. how to be better. Yeah. And, and that's part of our evolution. Yeah. Right. That, that's again, another part of the art it, of martial arts is, you know, you, you can't give something you don't have an abundance of. And your students yep. are a reflection of you. So when you look out at your, your student body, that's you staring back at you, right? So it, it's kind of one of those things where, where you have to, you know, deflate the ego, right? I know Fod loves that. Uh, deflate the ego and just go, all right, well, what does this person need to be a better version of themselves? What does this person need? Okay, now, how can I address that generally? And then privately, I might be able to, to do, you know, one thing here or there. It might be something as simple as raise your hand higher, you know, bend your knee more. <laughs> you know, that that's the. It's always thing. bend your knees more. Yeah, it's, it's always, always bend, bend your knees, knees more. more. Right. I say that so many times. Right. Right. I should get it tattooed right here. <laughs> bend, your bend your knees. My, my How does this look? My, my bend your knees. Bend your knees. Yeah, my tattoo would say breathe. Breathe. <laughs> yeah, breathe is a breathe good one too. That's yeah. me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like what we're here. But some people might be having a bad day, you know. Like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, that's all they needed. Oh, I, I like mm-hmm. they just need to know you care, and like that's part of their evolution, right? And and we keep on talking about you know the evolution of martial arts. It's really the evolution of the martial artist, you know. And yes. and, that's, and that's the beauty of you know doing saber martial arts for for me at least is like I can meet a bunch of people that I would not meet if I just went down the Kung Fu path or I went down the jujitsu path or I went down just the Katana path. You know, there's, there's so much, um, we talk about cross training, right? There's so much cross training that it's so much, uh, it's almost like information overload at first, but at the same time, you're like, Oh yeah, that, that like my conspiracy theorist board again, uh, you know, go creating this web of knowledge, you know, and Fode was talking about something that reminded me of uh, the word Satori, right? Which is the prick uh, of a pin. Yeah. yeah, the prick of a pin, uh, a glimpse of enlightenment, right? It, it, if you're lucky, you'll get three, and in your whole life, you'll get you'll you'll hopefully get three. the The discipline of martial arts, and by discipline, I mean practice. Um, the space between the Satori gets sh- shorter and shorter. So you actually can gain more knowledge faster. And every single person that walks into a martial arts studio is having that moment. 
and if you remember that and like you said just talk to him hey what what are you all about man what are you what are you going through you know what do you what, why do you want to do this is this you know is this a good fit and am, am i am i going to be able to teach you what you want to know in the way you want to learn it or is it, it yeah. or, or, or are we just wasting our time here no we don't have a cage <laughs> You know, we don't have I spar in a cage every Wednesday yeah. and every Monday we do bad or mitt work in the cage. And let me tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't make a martial artist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the cage does not make the martial artist. Um, and, and that, that's kind of, like you said, the topic we've been dancing around all night and as somebody who's developed the seven forms, Matt, like this is an important topic for you is really tailoring, tailoring practice, tailoring teaching, tailoring the forms to what you do. Um, you know, if, if you're a HEMA practitioner and you do a whole bunch of longsword, start there, right? But that's not the yep. only sword you should be worried about. And that doesn't mean that anybody who doesn't use a lightsaber like a long sword is using a lightsaber wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's something yep. that happens in, in the saber community a little bit right now um, is there's been yeah. these like camps of people who use yeah. kendo saber, people who use hema mm -hmm. saber, people who use yeah. uh, gian saber, people who use right so forth and so on. And yep. It's like, I like all those weapons so much. Yeah. You know, like, it, it why do I have to me. choose? It baffles me because if I could choose any, if I could choose any weapon, okay, if I could design the ultimate, like, sword, okay, let's go stick with sword. If I could design the ultimate sword, it would be made out of um, the nanotechnology that Tony Stark has in uh, Endgame. And you could just make any Iron sword anytime, no? right? And it would just turn into any sword in my hand as I was going. I would start off with Shaolin Saber, and it would suddenly change, and I'd have a rapier. You know what I mean? That would be, I mean, that would be incredible. To be able to use 100% But isn't that the, basically a lightsaber? I think. And that's my point. That's yeah. my point. We have it. We have it. It's the lightsaber. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can literally hold a lightsaber in your hand and use it like a Shaolin Saber, or use it like a rapier, or use it like a bull and a side sword. Or use it like a, a katana or in, or a in just the same two or three velocities in the middle of a fight. You can change it on every action. You can change what you're doing on every action. It's wonderful. That's one of the reasons that I love the the saber so much. So why pigeonhole yourself to what you've yeah, been doing? Yeah, why pigeonhole yourself? Forever. Why why limit yourself when you're when you're on this martial arts journey uh, to expand and to grow? What are you doing limiting yourself? I think people sometimes they get. They get lost in the peanut gallery like, oh, well, this never works in competition. Like, that's the same thing as that person who's like, Aikido doesn't work at the octagon. <sighs> Hashtag, miss the bus. Like, <laughs> yeah, com Competition is great, but there's so much more. I mean, if you want to be involved in this community and all you want to do, and you're just really interested in engineering or or artistry and and you just want to design sabers and you just want to build sabers like key sabers uh you know that guy he does great sabers and if you want to build those kind of sabers you want to build your own sabers get into it for just that you know hang out hang out with with saber martial artists and ask them what they want in their sabers and what they don't have and try to make it for them if you want to do flow 
you know if you want to dance with a saber go for it you know experience sure. that's great that's wonderful yeah i mean and if you want to learn the saber is a martial arts tool. You know, you want to learn combative techniques, go for it. If you want to learn competitive techniques, go for it. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a huge I don't understand why they have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, they don't. It's the biggest, it's the biggest uh, mirage. It's the biggest lie, uh, you know, in the community that, that these things have to be different. Segregated. I see people have a little success and, and winning and, you know, yeah. uh, how did that guy win? Oh, he, he yeah. uses, he, he's a kendo fighter. He's been fighting kendo yeah. for 10, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to learn kendo then. Hold on. Right. Hold on. That works for him. Right. I call, I call that Bruce Lee syndrome. Yeah. 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 Everybody does Jeet Kune Do, right? You know, yeah. little, little do yeah. they know that nobody does Jeet Kune Do. The whole definition is that you don't do Jeet Kune Do because that would go against the definition of Jeet Kune Do, which is doing all and none all at the same time. Well, works for you, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, like go ahead and learn some kendo techniques, but that doesn't mean don't learn rapier. That doesn't mean don't learn Polynesian Taiaha, you know, whatever you want. (laughs) Oh, don't learn the the Kolish Mard. It's just a rapier. Just learn rapier. Well, it's not just a rapier, as a matter of fact. No, it's not. You know, it's not just a small sword. Okay. Uh, The the, um, killage is not just, you know, a... uh, Oh, yeah. It's not just, you know, an Eastern European style heavy-ended saber. It's just... Yeah. There's so much more to it than that. And, you know, yep. oh, sabers are meant for slashing. So they can't thrust? Ah. So ah. They, they can't thrust yeah. now? Yeah. Actually, my favorite my favorite saber, uh, historical saber, is the uh, 18... I'm going to make a fool of myself on the internet here. Again. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say it's the 1862. I believe that's correct. Uh, Confederate officer's sword. Um, it's a saber. It has a curved grip, thick brass bell guard. I mean, if you break your weapon, you you got knuckle you got dusters right there. Now, yeah. Knock somebody's head off. And it is a straight saber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a straight saber with the back top third sharpened. So it's a semi double edged. And that's my favorite. That's my favorite saber. Bad guy like in, all time. in the Antonio Banderas uh, Zorro use one right yes yes he had it yep he had one his name is or what but i remember that sword (laughs) i believe he had one yeah i believe he had one that's deep cuts alan that's deep cuts for sure (laughs) hey i might not remember people's names but i remember their sword fights hey yeah (laughs) i've been watching um hema videos for a few years now and most of my European martial arts experience was actually through the lens of like Americanized versions of them from uh, the the basically the settler days, you know, and and the Civil War and the Revolutionary War and just, you know, European men and women, mostly men at the time in a new place using the same stuff from the motherland, so to speak, but in a new place 
and against new weapons like tomahawks and knives and very long lances and things like that, bows and arrows of a different sort than were used in, in England and Spain and those areas. So learning HEMA from people who are learning HEMA from books and translating it to, to us, you have to sometimes look at, at what they're saying as almost like they're a fellow student in class with you, just kind of like checking their work with you, which in essence makes it almost more fun to learn that kind of stuff because the the realm of what's valid and what's not becomes a lot broader. And when you hear people pigeonhole something like HEMA, like, oh, you can't do this in Fiore never said to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fiore said put down your sword and wrestle the guy. <laughs> You're going to the other extreme now, right? You're going from that doesn't work in the octagon to Fiore didn't say to do Like, it's all the same yeah. argument, though. Right. It's just yeah. this argument that doesn't make sense in a world where you can use a lightsaber and it all works all the time. Maybe this is sort of a good way to get into the ending of the episode, but people who don't really train anything other than their martial arts, particularly with weapons martial arts, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Yeah. And maybe the easiest way for you to figure that out is to start using some lightsabers in your martial arts. Maybe it's a good way for you to understand, like what you've been neglecting in your training. We can't all train everything all the time. It's impossible. But you can't tell people not to just because it's not written in Fiore, just because it's not in Ed Parker's Infinite Insights into Kenpo volume too many. Okay? There's so much more than that. And it's so much less than that at a lot of times too. Like sometimes... Just learn a back fist to learn a back fist. Just to be able to hit something with the back of your fist. Without breaking your fist. Yeah, like is that yeah. is that useless? I don't think that's useless. No, it's not. It's a balance. All martial arts is a balance. All skills and disciplines are a balance. Are we ready for our Sith lightning round? Is it Sith lightning time? There's a cattail <laughs> just poking up super, I don't want to say erect, but I just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sith Lightning. Sith Lightning round. All right, Maestro. I don't know how familiar you are with this. So we'll just give a quick recap. Sith Lightning round. We're going to ask you questions. Some might make sense. Some we'll have to think about if they make sense. You guys jump in anytime you want to ask him something. First question I'll ask you for Sith Lightning is, what is your preferred two saber colors? I knew you were going to ask me this one. I knew it. I knew you were going to ask me this one. Got to be more prepared for class, Maestro. <laughs> I do I do? I have an RGB, and I I annoy everybody because I flip through it after basically every exchange, and I just go from color to color to color to color to color because I cannot make a decision on this to save my life. Uh, actually, I have one I will say is red, and I have a reason for that. I have a reason for that. It's because if you're fighting in the dark. Uh, red won't trigger your eyes to go into uh, daytime mode. So you'll keep your night vision. So if you, the saber goes in front of your eyes, you won't blind yourself like you will with a blue saber. Oh. So red. And I also really like gold, like a gold, uh, a gold color. So red and gold, probably. 
That's cool. That's cool. Uh, favorite pizza topping or two? Mushrooms and sausage. Oh, that's my standby. I love that. <laughs> uh, Best compliment you've ever received. <laughs> uh, your eyes look like melted Hershey's Kisses. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a good one. I was, I thought so too. <laughs> I dated her, so I thought it was good. <laughs> uh, worst insult you've ever received. Yeah, I gotta think about that. Um, and if you can't say those words on the show, you can say them, and I'll bleep them out. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> geez, you know, you know, I don't really, I don't really have one. Sorry, I, I hate to be a party pooper. I don't, I can't, I can't really think of one. That um, you heard it here first. Nobody insults the maestro, <laughs> unless it's in the octagon. Oh, there you go. Man, I, yeah, I couldn't share my worst insults with. With anybody. Uh, favorite Jedi. Now that should be easy, right? Which one? Favorite Jedi. That should be easy. <laughs> it should be easy. Um, okay. My favorite Jedi is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That is I, the think correct answer. Stands, <laughs> I think that he stands for everything that the Jedi Order should could and should be. I think he's the the absolute best Jedi that we've seen. Um He's one of the only ones that really seems like what a Jedi should be, you know, to me. Um, so, yeah, I'd say Obi-Wan Kenobi. Top dog. Always, always underrated. I did enjoy listening to you talk about Mace Windu, and everybody knows that Mace Windu gets crapped on quite a bit uh, for for being a total butthead. But, you know, <laughs> I like buttheads generally. I don't know. No ish. Wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> uh favorite favorite droid oh favorite droid uh gonk droid uh, nice yeah totally awesome come on man who designed that thing <laughs> you know who designed that thing it was someone who was really lazy and he's like i don't want to walk across the room to throw my garbage away i'm gonna make it come to me <laughs> rick rick sanchez there you go eight <laughs> six uh favorite Sith. Favorite Sith. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. Um my favorite Sith is Darth Vader. Nice. He is and I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna blow you away by saying this, but he is exceptionally underrated. I didn't know anybody opinion. underrated Darth Vader. What are they I know, Vader I know, for? but they do. When you look at what Vader accomplished uh as a martial oh, artist. Yeah. Holy crap, dude! You, I mean, it, it can canonically the stuff that he did as a martial artist was absolutely incredible. He went from being a straight Ataru Gemso practitioner, banking all of his you know, skill on raw talent, to saying, "Well, that didn't work. I got burned nearly to death, and I can't do that anymore." Mm-hmm. And he absolutely uh, reinvented lightsaber combat. No other person in canon has had as heavy of an influence on lightsaber combat throughout the galaxy the way that he did. He redefined it for an entire generation. Everyone in the New Jedi Order learned from Vader, whether directly or by studying his techniques and tactics. He created the Three Rings of Defense, um, which he mastered Jem So and then used Jem So basically the same way uh, to turn himself into basically a battle master 
to encompass all seven forms with the gem so um i told you guys i had a theory i i, I had this theory on the evolution of uh martial arts and lightsaber combat mm -hmm. that theory directly sprang from studying the differences between uh darth malgus darth bane and darth vader because all three of those sith lords were very similar mm -hmm. and achieved very different things uh bane is a lightsaber master of three uh, three forms sarisu juyo and dejemso malgus had uh makashi dejemso and uh sarisu i think it was and then vader had you know dejemso is his main uh, uh, form as well so they had that commonality of dejemso and then when you look at them bane is called you know one of the greatest duelists of all time to me he was a very inferior martial artist he achieved a stage of martial arts evolution um where he did not hybridize those arts he used them selectively so he would use the gemso and then he would switch and he would use juyo and then he would switch and he would use sorry yeah and then if you look at if you look at uh malgus he's also considered a great lightsaber uh, master he took his three forms and he began to hybridize them mm -hmm. but the one the martial artist who really did hybridize all of the all of the the, the forms and the stuff that he experienced and took was vader mm -hmm. and you see going forward from there that he really he created uh new fundamentals in lightsaber combat so going forward so i consider him to be extremely underrated as a martial artist People always talk about how he, he, you know, he overpowered his opponents and he was just, you know, just brute force, brute force, brute force or something like that. And I don't, I mean, I don't see that at all when I'm looking at him. If you didn't notice, I'm pretty passionate about it. So mm. <laughs> that's good. That's great. That was a pretty good, uh, that was a pretty good thesis on Vader. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, the three three circles of defense and all that stuff, you know, the stuff that we learn outside of the movies, you know, that's really, you know, that's that we could go, we could go for a few more hours on it, but we're in the Sith lightning round. So oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you don't talk too much. You, gotta stop. you could say legends or new canon doesn't matter. What's your favorite star Wars novel or maybe two, if you can't choose one. Uh, my favorite novel is the novelization of, of Return, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Of the Sith. Oh, it's so oh good. my gosh. Beautiful. So good. Wonderful. Change the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, when I'm watching the movie, I'm in my head, I'm reading the novel. <laughs> right. Clone Wars, Rebels, or The Mandalorian, which is kind of an unfair question oh. to ask. Man, you're gonna make me choose between the Mandalorian and Clone Wars. Ah, you know what? I flip flop on this because I would have said I would have said Clone Wars with that Ahsoka mall yeah, scene. Sure. Holy crap! Holy crap! <laughs> Made the series for me. Made it for me. And then you got Luke. You got Luke in Mandalorian, and so. I'm there. I I won't lie to you. I teared up. <laughs> the X wing the X wing flew across the screen, and I'm my wife was sitting next to me, and she was like, "Are you crying?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Why?" It's Luke. He's here. Luke. Well, it, when I watched it, I I was 
I asked myself, do they have the to do it? Oh yeah. I was wondering, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, they're not going to show his face. Yeah. Are they going to show his face? Yeah. I, I, the, the whole, the whole thing about the Mandalorian for me was like, all right, they had to do that. All right, cool. Cool. To do this, okay, they do, okay, and they pulled it off. Yeah, and that's the every single time I ask myself that question: Can do they have to do this? They've answered, and they've answered really well. <laughs> well, as like most of the Marvel movies too, like you yeah. know, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, it's all over the place. Um, yeah. <laughs> so okay, maybe that's a good question. What's your uh, favorite MCU movie? Ooh, good, good question, good question. Or character, if you can't choose a movie. I can do movie and character. Go for it. All right. So my favorite movie would be um, Iron Man 3. Hmm. I thought it was underrated. Yeah, interesting A lot of people choice. didn't like it, didn't respond to it. I thought it was underrated. Go back and watch it again. If you haven't, if you haven't watched it in a while, go back and watch it again. Go back and watch it again and just, just enjoy it. You know? It took me a third watch to really understand what I was looking at. Yeah, just just enjoy it. I mean, you know, just enjoy it, and I, th- I think you'll. I think it might change your mind. Uh, favorite character, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. I mean, not Captain America. Steve Rogers. That's objectively the best answer you could have given, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we're we're running super long here, maybe maybe we make this the last question. Yep. Favorite villain. Period. Just period in any jeez any in anything culture like if, if you were like man i would not want to fight that guy i feel that with a lot of people <laughs> the villain villain that i wouldn't want to fight or my favorite villain okay i guess it's a two-part question all right okay <laughs> uh villain that i would not want to fight uh-huh if you had your your whole crew with you see rogers right. right there with you you right. know you, you like elbow him and go. You sure we want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> who, who's um, on the other side of the ring? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, my favorite villain would be Baron Zemo. Ooh, Zemo in uh, yeah, in yeah. in Civil War. Yes, he's the only one who ever beat the Avengers. Yep. Uh, he showed without throwing a punch. I mean, he showed the importance of tactics, tactical thinking, strategy, planning, uh, making the most of what you've got. It doesn't have to be a lot. You can take down literal gods. And the villain in history or pop culture or anything that I definitely wouldn't want to fight, Vlad the Impaler, because of no what would happen to me if I happened to lose. (laughs) Again, that might be objectively the best answer. Summer is just around the corner, and this year, SMAF Affiliate School Saber Light Knights is putting on the Saber Light Summer Open. Join them at the Laughing Dragon Kung Fu School in Charlottesville, Virginia on July 10th, 2021 at 9 a.m. for a two-division tournament including the Adult Standard Saber Division and the Adult Special Saber or Exotics Division. Saber Light Knights have been a proud SMAF Affiliate School since 2019, and we are more than thrilled to support their events. The Saberlight Summer Open is also going to feature a massive prize pool, over $1,000 in merchandise from some of your favorite companies like Key Sabers, Smokey's Armory, Mando Core Customs, Wrath Sabers, Far Far Away Outfitters, and Kaizen Saber. If you want to register for the Saberlight Summer Open, 
please visit the Eventbrite link in the show notes or go to eventbrite.com and search for Saber Light Summer Open. Registration is $20 to $30, depending on if you're doing one event or two. And all of the tournament requirements and rules can be found on saberlightnights.com. That's saberlightnights with a K dot com. Oh, well, uh, this is where we sign off. How do we find you, Maestro? Um, you can find me on YouTube. That's the main uh, forum for what, for what I do to the public. Um, YouTube, comment on the videos. I have been meaning to... I haven't posted in a while. I know that's a nice way of saying it. But um, I'm planning on bringing it back. Catch me on YouTube. Comment on the videos. Ask questions. I, I try to answer everybody. I want questions. I want debate, too. I'm, I'm not looking for an echo chamber. If you hate what I do, go on there and tell me. Tell me why. Tell me what I can do to fix it. I'll, you know, I'll work with you. I'll talk with you. Also on Facebook, Bendu Lightsaber Combat. Uh, feel free to join the group. Um, post awesome stuff on there. Star Wars related content, lightsaber related content, anything you want, really. And uh, sabermartialarts.life. You can also find Bendu's. Yes. Uh, you yes. can find contact info for him and send him a message right there. Ask him for a little help if you need it right under our affiliate schools section. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Uh, it's been my pleasure. We, uh, that's, that's we'll have to have you back on and oh, I mean, yeah. saying this uh, about everybody, but I definitely would like to do some fight commentaries with you. Cause I think oh, yeah. you offer a philosophically oh, unique perspective on, on what you see. And especially since, um, I know you don't have like a ton of groups around where you are. Um, I didn't either. So watching other groups that are outside of your area, it's always kind of thrilling to me. So I think that would be Absolutely. fun to have you do that with us. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, maybe, uh, one of these times we'll actually have a place where we'll all be in the same room together. Oh, yes <laughs> i know then, we're getting there and we're then we there. can have saber valhalla in my mind yes fight and we can feast and then <laughs> do it all over again that's, that's that's where my mind is with, uh, with uh saber martial arts foundation there will be battle axes and ale right <laughs> <laughs> battle axes and ale. Right, you got one guy in the back can i get a port light <laughs> Freaking Nick! <laughs> I'll have an O'Doul's, guys. <laughs> I just like the way it tastes. <laughs> All right. Where do we find? Uh, where do we find San Diego and Phoenix, California and Arizona? Shut up. <laughs> PhoenixSaber.com is where we find it. Saber Martial Arts Life. It's kind of like our umbrella. Yeah. Catch everybody over at yeah, Saber Martial Arts Life. If you don't know that yet, and you're on. You know this episode. Of- <laughs> uh, which brings us to our final point. Go on to SaberMartialArts.life. Go to Becoming Part of SMAF. Scroll down and and fill out an application. We just got a new affiliate voted in yesterday. Congratulations to our new affiliate from Vermont, and thank you for applying. And it doesn't cost you anything but five minutes and uh, a little bit of bragging time. We want to know about what you like and share and share exactly share with us exactly. you know your knowledge and your experience and your uh star wars geekery yes <laughs> yes and we like we like everything and we have candy so 
That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Both has a windowless van just for you. <laughs> a windowless van. <laughs> All right, y'all. Maestro, thank you very much. Alan, thank you as always. Katie, you look amazing. And thank you oh, as thank always. You. And uh, everybody listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for going right now and applying. And please bring your own saber. <laughs>